0: This episode of Off My Shelf contains coarse language and adult conversation. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Tracy James, and welcome to Off My Shelf, a podcast about movies that are, well, off my shelf, where we go through my DVDs and talk about the movies in my collection. In this episode, Brendan Craig returns to talk about B-movie, awesomeness, and 80s nostalgia with Mars Attacks and Masters of the Universe. Welcome!
1: Thank you very much. Uh, Happy to be here again.
0: Uh, yes, because we talk nerd very well, and these are perfect for that kind of talking, so it's great
1: it definitely, It's like we would have just caught up and done this anyway, so we might as well record it and get some content out of it eh? Exactly,
0: exactly <laughs> I mean, even last night, just um, watching Masters of the Universe, I had to watch um, Netflix's uh, The Toys That Made Us Because um, uh, yep. they have like a He-Man thing there, and then I was like going through like, how many He-Man toys do I have? You know, it's a whole thing. It was fine. That was my research was going through stuff. It was fun.
1: One of the last times, because um, I, I guess I knew that you were into the Masters of the Universe, but I never really thought about it, but I remember one of the last times I came to Canada, we went to Fan Expo and you got the Masters of the Universe pop figures. Yes, and, I did. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess I knew that in the back of my mind. Um, that, those first pop figures of Masters of the Universe, apparently quite valuable. I, I really? know the Masters of the Universe collectors and uh-huh. I think those early ones are hard to get so Okay yeah, I, did <laughs> I did a good
0: job yeah because I think I was trying originally to decide on just like one to get because I'm like I'm not gonna buy all of them that's ridiculous that's yeah. too much money and then I was like screw it well the first like set of them was five uh figures right so it was um yeah. He-Man, She-Ra, um Hordak, um Skeletor and Spike or yeah. random <laughs> bad guy. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to skip Spike or but I'll get like the main four. That's fine. But the worst part is, is that like, I don't care about Spike or but it drives me crazy that I just don't have the whole set. It just drives me and nuts.
1: I suspect, I don't know this for sure. I suspect Spike was the most valuable one. Because I feel like a lot of people felt the same way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they were just like, screw it. Just burn them in the back. Now, like, four <laughs> people have them. And they're worth, like, a million dollars each, which is, like, what have I done? Yeah. Uh, I mean, since then, I have also gotten, like, artwork. Um, I got a giant um, He-Man statue from a friend of mine for oh, wow. birthday. birthday. Um, what else do I have? I don't know. I, right now, that's all I can think of. But that's I was having fun looking at those yesterday, so it's fine.
1: <laughs> so you were into the show
0: growing up? Into the cartoon, yes, very yeah. much so. I don't yeah. have any of the original toys or anything because, well, actually, I used to have um, one of the the Shira figures. The, the like, um, I forget what her actual name was, but she was like dressed like a bee. Um, okay. I, don't, I, I don't know. Why. I
1: think I know the one you mean. I'm not as familiar with with the Shira characters as the Masters of the Universe ones, but I <laughs> I, I, I know the one you mean. I think um, it, it was interesting for me because we didn't have a TV. Mm. Well, actually, where we lived to we have electricity and we, we had a TV a bit later on, but we couldn't, so I couldn't watch the Masters of the Universe cartoon really. I watched it mm-hmm. occasionally at, like, my uncle's house or my grandparents' house, but right. mostly I know Masters of... Oh.
0: Sorry, I have a question. Yes. Um, you were born in the 90s or the 80s?
1: 80s, a- 80, so 84.
0: 84, okay. Um, and... That was a time where, I know this is presumptuous, but um, electricity was readily available. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Why did you not have electricity? Here in Australia, uh, it was readily available in the 1980s. Uh, But (laughs) where we lived, so uh, my parents had bought, like, a large country property Uh and we had built a shed that we lived in. And when I say a shed, it was the equivalent of probably a small house, like it was very big, had a bathroom, kitchen, all those kinds of things, but we didn't have electricity. And so we lived there while we were building our house. Once we built the house, that did have electricity. But the the shed that we lived in when I was growing up for probably – I guess a couple of years. Uh, it's hard to tell with kids. So it seemed like forever. Because we just exactly. like... It's true. Like you
0: think about your childhood and everything seemed like it was on TV forever. Everything bad that happened happened forever. Everything that was good happened forever. They're just like, exactly. it was like 15 years. You're like, it was two months. What are you talking
1: about? Yeah. It, it was, it seemed like forever. And, so I did go to my grandparents a fair bit in that time, so I would watch TV there. Mm-hmm. But Ghostbusters, uh, not Ghostbusters, that <laughs> I also missed a lot of. Uh, but, uh, Masters of the Universe was on early in the morning here, so I, would, I wouldn't I would see it very often. But I love the toys. And so mm. for the longest time, I knew almost nothing about the characters from, I feel like only recently, actually, I've learned about the characters a lot more. Yeah. Um, I had a whole bunch of the toys from my that I either got or were hand me downs from my uncle and I only had monsters. So I had like three skeletors. I didn't have He-Man. I didn't have Man at Arms. I didn't have Teela, but I had Squeeze and Mosquito and all of all of those guys. So I was very into the property but I knew nothing about the background of the, of it. Like I didn't know the stories I knew a little bit after, I think I started school and played with like other kids and gathered some things, but like last year, I realized that Mossman is a good guy. That was the first time that I realized that Mossman was a good guy. He's a monster. So I just assumed he was bad.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, the funny thing. So I'm very happy. I watched the toys that made us yesterday because this actually explains the problem that you had, why you didn't have He-Man and Teela and all that kind of stuff. Because apparently they had a supply chain issue. Uh, Well, technically it's not a supply chain. It was just like an inventory issue, I should say, where they couldn't keep the main characters on the show. So you'd always have, they they had made a whole bunch of like random monsters and stuff that people wouldn't buy, but they'd go there. They'd be like, I want He-Man. I want Tila, I want Man-at-Arms. And they would like forget everything else. So you'd have 10 of everything would come in. All of the He-Mans would be gone immediately. And then you're left with like the random monster. So, but that
1: which also led to the downfall
0: of their toys. So, and the show. Yeah.
1: Which, which like, luckily, was what I was into. So I didn't, it didn't affect me too much. And I think some figures he, were more available here than in North America and then vice versa. Like, it was a mm-hmm. weird thing where, my understanding, I'm not an expert on it, but my understanding is there are certain things that were released in Europe that weren't released elsewhere and there's all kinds of weirds, weirdness like that. I know a lot of the figures I had as a kid, which unfortunately, after moving through three states and having three younger brothers, very few of the vibe. <laughs> sure about, yeah. uh, I know some of the ones I had as a kid were the, some of the more valuable ones. They were from later on in the toy line. Um, but I do have some. I actually I brought my... <gasps> You have original a Skeletor. Skeletor today. He's the, uh, he doesn't have his claws or anything anymore. So he was the one that went back and forth with the, I think he was Terra Claws Skeletor. Okay. Uh, and I had the Skeletor whose chest would take damage. And I had, I think the normal Skeletor too. I, I may have had every Skeletor. I didn't have any He-Mans, but I did have every Skeletor. Uh, but I do have a He-Man now. I've got the new one that they released kind of recently. So I don't yeah. know if you've seen these. But the Masters of the Universe Origins, which are kind of modern versions, but in kind of that classic style. Uh-huh. And so I've got, I've got every one I've been able to track down in Australia. So nice. I've got quite a big collection. I've got the castle. I've got uh-huh. all of the ones that I would have wanted to have as a kid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're like, but I'm finally doing it.
1: I do, and, and I'm like finding out about the show and all of these things. So I feel like this is actually a good time to talk to me because it's probably the most I've ever known about Masters of the Universe is th- right now. Right
0: now, right? Yeah. Well, because so I, and one of the reasons why I watched that uh, episode of, of the Toys That Made Us yesterday, too, is because I was trying to remember if this was the first property that did it. But Yeah, it was. It's the first property that was like a toy company created something and then a show came out of it essentially to sell the toys. Um, And it kind of worked that way by accident, they were saying. So they're like, look, we're. You know, we're losing because it was Mattel. So they had Barbie and they had the girls market and all that kind of stuff. But they kept losing it on the boys market because Star Wars came out. You know, um, the G.I. Joes were there and all this kind of stuff. And they wanted something to get more of that market, make some more money, that kind of thing. I think they
1: um, famously passed on Star Wars. As yes, well, they did. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that was part of the problem. Um, and um, so, yeah, they their team created He-Man. You know, and then while they were trying to sell it to toy companies, they're like, why are kids going to buy this? They're like, oh, it'll come with a comic book that tells them a story." And one company's like, okay, cool. And then another store came along and they're like, you know, they're for little kids. Kids can't read. They're like, oh, we're going to make a cartoon. And they're like, okay. And then they made a cartoon. That's how He-Man came into existence. It was just like, we have toys and we have to figure out how to sell them to people. Okay.
1: And I think there was a little bit of controversy on his kind of early origins because at a time, they were going to make a Conan line, I believe, like right before, um, and I don't know I don't know why that didn't work out, but they were going to make a Conan line. It didn't work out, and then they introduced this kind of similar barbarian character uh-huh. in of the universe, and I think there was this idea that maybe they'd reuse some of that early stuff that they had planned for Conan, and, and I actually think long-term he doesn't resemble Conan very much, but no. I, I suspect that probably was maybe the beginnings of at least the He-Man part of, of that line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's obviously much bigger f- science fiction aspect to, to He-Man yeah. than there is to, to Conan. Well, Conan's
0: um, more like fantasy because it's like it's magic and all that kind yeah. of stuff, whereas He-Man's like it's it's tough guy in on another planet. So you're just like yeah. it's fan- it's uh, science fiction now. It's totally different things.
1: And I think there's still that magic because you still got your evil limbs and your kind of those... Characters, and then you've got, the, and I think that's what makes it really interesting, and maybe why it worked really well. And then you've got that kind of more sci-fi vehicles, and because the vehicle is obviously another big part of Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. But then you have giant, like magical tigers, and a guy that changes form. Well, he it's arguable how much he changes form. He changes outfits he from changes to that. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> But you've got that magic versus that sci-fi uh, aspect, which I think was maybe a big part of why, at least why it appealed to kids like me uh, or probably yourself. And that maybe if we start to think about the movie, I think maybe that's part of what they missed a bit in the movie. I think they focused on one aspect of that a lot more than the other. There was, uh, To me, and watching it again, I realised maybe how much of this was the case. It was yes. very much more sci-fi and very much inspired by Star Wars. Yes, I think- oh my god, I
0: was thinking exactly the same thing. I was watching it. I was just like, "This is clearly like we're gonna take all of our inspiration from Star Wars with a little bit of He-Man sprinkled on it." Like that's like what the they
1: do. Just Darth Vader. Yeah, they're just it's just Darth Vader. Well, and
0: even like his like soldiers, whatever you want to call them, the dudes in like the black suits are armor or whatever i was like they're black stormtroopers yeah that that was it um but apparently they were supposed to be robots that's why they kept blowing up
1: oh i did i did i did not get that at all i didn't get it either (laughs) i read
0: that i had to read it
1: i thought Um, they were guys in in armor and because it didn't look that dissimilar to like what man at arms was wearing so i just assumed it was that's like the armor that they wear they wore yeah yeah
0: There you go.
1: Robots.
0: (laughs) Yeah, one thing I found fascinating though is I didn't realize that Adam wasn't part of the original idea for He Man. Adam came purely in the cartoons.
1: Yeah, he's not Um, in the mini. His either, I think, or at least early on, he wasn't in the mini comics. Is the way? Yeah, no, he
0: wasn't. He wasn't like he wasn't part of the original line. He was like Man at Arms and He Man, Tila and stuff were, and Skeletor. Yes. Add Like, him changing and all this kind of stuff was not part of the original, like, mythos they came up with. So he wasn't, like, a thing. And neither was, like, Cringer. So then they had Battle Cat. But Battle Cat was part of it. And yeah. I was like, what? That's crazy. And Battle Cat,
1: maybe one of the biggest things missing for me in the movie is Battle yes. Cat. Like, and I don't know how they would have done that. <laughs> I, I don't
0: know then. either.
1: Like, um, like I, I get why he probably wasn't a part of it. But I think that was something I noticed. I wonder if then maybe there's part of me that just thought that they did their own thing in the movie, but did they take some more inspiration from the mini comics, maybe than the cartoon? Because potentially they were a bit more mature than the, the cartoon was and maybe I, I'm not too sure. That's just mm-hmm. something kind of interesting that I was just thinking when you mentioned that Prince Adam wasn't in the comics because he's, he's not in the movie either.
0: No, he's not. Well, because even when they strip him of his sword and stuff, he doesn't, like, transform back. He's just, like, no. in his underpants. That's it. He's not
1: all of a sudden wearing a purple vest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, with the fur on the collar and yeah. you know, all the good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, that was another big miss or not miss necessarily, a big change, I suppose. I don't think that's a bad change necessarily. I don't know how you, unless you really change Prince Adam to look different. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you sell that Prince Adam to He-Man change in a movie where it's very clearly obvious they're the same person. They
0: just put glasses Uh, on him. It's fine.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That always works.
0: Always works. I
1: don't know.
0: I think the biggest mistake about it is that they brought the story to Earth, really, is, like, Earth is not needed in any of this. You know, like, keep it in Eternia, keep it you know them fighting each other none of this like interdimensional travel with music tones for no reason and dead parents for also no reason like it was just like they, they threw I this whole earth thing in out of nowhere
1: i agree i think i get it and i'm i'm 99 sure it was budgetary reasons <laughs> that they that they came to earth and that most of the fights took place in warehouses and alleys and, and mm-hmm. a very empty street. <laughs> um, but, um, but because when they're in Eternia it looks pretty amazing. Like mm-hmm. Grayskull looks cool. Like I think towards the end you see the they maybe overuse that set a little bit and you see the edges a little bit. You see some of the, the loose threads when they return there yeah. and that whole last battle scene that happens there. But initially, especially, I think... Grayskull looks great and the throne room and all of that stuff looks really great. Uh, I know it's a Canon picture and I know Canon were famous for doing things kind of on the cheap. And and I just, I seem to remember watching a documentary about Canon and that maybe that this, they were putting a lot of move, money into this already so that maybe they had to find a way to cut some costs to make it viable for them to do it.
0: Well, If I remember correctly, the last battle sequence in the throne room has very little lighting, no extras or anything. And they do that like weird shadow fight thing because they ran out of money. But they had to like, they were like cutting back on like power, extras, lighting people, like everything. And that like was like supposed to be like the epic scene. And you're just like, turn off the lights. We can't, we can't do this. No extras. Nobody else is around. Nothing blows up. Just...
1: Swords, good, done. And and I think that's maybe you could say a downside. That moment, though, is actually one of my favourite bits of the movie with, like, the lighting behind them because, again, maybe they didn't have any overhead lights, but it it works really well. It's kind of that flash dance, not flash dance, that footloose, like, with the silhouettes. Oh, yes. The red lighting only from the waist up because they (laughs) couldn't show what their legs were doing. And, And, like, actually, that sequence maybe isn't, isn't perfect from a fight choreography point of view, mm-hmm. but it feels really iconic. Like yeah. watching it now, I remembered it. I hadn't seen this movie in years and I remembered that right away. As soon as that started, I was like, oh, yeah, now it's getting on. Now it's getting on. That's the good I, stuff. And I think because also, and I think maybe this is a budgetary thing too, He-Man rarely uses his sword in the movie this. He's using his gun all the time.
0: Which was driving me crazy. I'm like, you're supposed to punch people and cut people in half. That's what you do. Why aren't you doing it? And I was was like, oh.
1: I'm guessing red beams cost less than teaching someone sword fights. So, so. yeah.
0: (laughs) I love that you were talking about, like, the choreography wasn't good. The choreography wasn't good for anything, for nothing. (laughs) I spent half the movie going, like, is this just his friend, like, running behind them with a camera? You know, like- it's, it's like my uh, university thesis project. And we're just like running around with a camera and having like outfits on. That's that's what it came across as. Um, the, also, sorry, the budget oh, sorry. was 22000000 million. I'm just going to let you know.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, pretty big, I think, for Canada who are making like Kung Fu type things and stuff like that a lot at mm-hmm. the time. Which again, like obviously they got in another direction because I know they were making Kung Fu movies. They, they could have taught some choreography and stuff to the, these guys so Essentially, like they had those people um, that they were working with. But uh, you mentioned choreography. and I, I don't know if there's choreography or just a weird choice of take. Maybe they were rushing. There's a scene where they're in an alley, as they're prone to be in this movie quite yes. a lot. And um, Tila comes in and one of the characters comes back. I think it might have been the boyfriend. And so she he comes back and she pulls her gun. On him and then realizes that it's him, immediately goes to put back her gun, but misses her holster and hits herself <laughs> with the leg like a couple of times before she gets it back in her holster. And I'm like, you couldn't have reshot that like <laughs> that bit in the movie. <laughs> She's supposed to be this really good warrior, but she can't put her gun away.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's the Ed Wood style of directing. One scene, what doesn't matter what happens, done, take yeah. it. Let's go. Yeah.
1: And overall, uh, I think it works pretty okay, considering I feel like it has a lot against it. Uh, I feel like yeah. I think the story that they're telling worked, whether or not it's a good Masters of the Universe story. Uh, another, another question. Sorry.
0: <laughs> I do a lot of head shaking when you said I'm like, the story works. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It does yeah. not.
1: <laughs> I, yeah. But, and maybe I feel like I'm predisposed to liking these kinds of movies. Um I was watching Howard the Duck the other day with my oh, yeah. son because he, he's he been wanting to watch it. It's maybe not a, a hugely appropriate for two-and-a-half-year-old, but I not. watched it when I was about that age, and I feel like most of the stuff flew over my head. So he put it on. I knew he probably wouldn't want to watch it very long. And, damn, I just loved that movie. Like, I know it's a bad movie, but the, and especially the second half of that movie, very, very bad. But the first half of it, man, I just enjoy it. Like this weird duck hanging out in, like, grimy cities in America with, like, giant 80s hair and punks. And it very much is, Masters of the Universe was very much that as well. Like, people in grimy alleys with fantasy clothes on. I don't know. There's something about that that really appeals to me, despite knowing that maybe it's not.
0: I sure. <laughs> I really wanted to say, oh my god, I love Howard the Duck, but I'm like, I can't say that because I haven't seen Howard the Duck in probably 20 years, and I remember loving that movie. Like, I was like, I know it's bad, but it's great at the same time. What's wrong with you people? There's there's like arts here, um, yeah, but absolutely. now I'm just like, I, I gotta
1: look at it judged. again. <laughs> what? It's unfairly judged, uh, Howard the Duck. Maybe I'm fairly judged by the second half of the movie, which I agree, is pretty bad. It kind of almost turns into Masters of the Universe at the end with aliens and, and things. Yeah, well, but I mean, really yeah. nice, like a relationship between a lady and a duck and <laughs> they're just helping each other out and she's doing the best she can and he's a duck out of out of where he's meant to be and then, yeah, it's, it's lovely.
0: Because <laughs> even watching Masters of the Universe this time, because... Maybe it's because I have to pay attention to it when I'm getting ready for these things and I, I pay too much attention. But so much joy out of this movie was drained out of me watching it this time. I'm sitting there going, what is happening? Where is it? The story makes no sense Half these people don't even belong here. Who the hell is that guy? What is going on? This is me the whole movie. And I can't even say, like, at least the fight was good or at least the cost... Well, no, a couple of the costumes are pretty cool. I think the costumes are
1: um, pretty... Yeah. yeah.
0: I have to... Skeletor's costume was pretty, like, beautiful. Like, I loved yes. it. It Especially still it's works.
1: Like golden version at the end. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> that weird helmet with, like, wings coming out of the back. Yeah. And, like three feet of horns for some reason and i i don't even know how like he could have stood straight up with that thing on his head like it just made no sense
1: tila's outfit uh not so sure about but Mm -hmm. i think he man's outfit was a pretty good reimagining of he man in kind of live action oh yes yeah uh, it had all of the key kind of parts to it um And I think Man at Arms like obviously wasn't orange, but I think (laughs) his he he had the mustache and he had like the helmet with the things that fold down. Like I feel like they were enough like
0: gadgets. Like I remember Man at Arms having like gadgets. Yeah. Am I misremembering that?
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. He has like I feel like he uses gadgets twice, but they're so not memorable that I can't. Think what they actually are off the top of my head like he makes something explode and something else maybe <laughs> happens but like, largely he's just shooting guns exactly and,
0: and they all are
1: they, yeah every character is just shooting guns <laughs>
0: <laughs> and there's like a super angry police officer for no reason
1: yeah, the uh, like, like
0: yeah like somebody <laughs> runs up to you and saying this building was on fire and somebody you know was in there and your first thing to do is arrest them instead of being like, oh, my God, let me help you actually find this person. It, it worries me.
1: Yeah, he wasn't a good police officer. I don't think he was doing high level policing. Um, no. He was just ru- running around yelling at people and wielding a shotgun.
0: Yeah, he played the same character he played in Back to the Future. He's just a vice principal who's very angry all the time.
1: Yeah, except now he has a shotgun.
0: I guess. <laughs> very, very different. Very different. Yes.
1: Which is the only kind of real-world weapon. Again, it felt a little bit out of place amongst all the laser laser guns. There's just this one guy running with a shotgun. Although I don't remember him ever really firing it. I feel like he Well, when they met- ended up
0: back in Eternia, I think he fired it like twice.
1: Yeah, I was trying to remember if he fired it in that battle because I, I couldn't remember him firing it there. Mm. And that's, kind of, that's maybe his best moment is when he just decides to stay in Eternia where they've seemingly been for five minutes, but he already has a wife, and he's got, like, <laughs> a cute <new> outfit.
0: <laughs> I didn't get it either. I just yeah. like going, like, what? Why are you staying here again? What's happening? Yes.
1: I don't, I don't the know. The battle finished, and then all of a sudden, it was like they'd spent months there, but they clearly hadn't, but he, but he was just there in his weird robes now with his very young girlfriend mm-hmm. that he'd, he'd Found
0: with yeah, I mean, pool. like, Tops had been a week. And I'm like, you can't... First of all, he didn't believe in it. Like, yeah. the whole night they were running around or whatever, yelling and screaming. He spent most of the time he was there getting shot at. And then all of a sudden he's like, there's a pretty girl and took a shower. I'm going to stay here forever? What?
1: And I maybe said- it's because of budget and the fact they never left the throne room once they got back. Like, because in early on, we see other bits of eternity are quite a bit like in the early scenes. But in that last scene, Eternia is just that throne room. Like that's yeah. the only part of it that we see. And so maybe that's part of it. To me, it felt like it was directly after the battle. Like they went directly after the battle. They were just talking and then they cut to a wider shot where he's suddenly wearing different outfit and has a girlfriend and he's like, I'm staying.
0: <laughs> that's definitely what it felt like. Yeah.
1: And then, I, I mean, maybe we're skipping a lot of the movie and I'm going to jump right to the ending. But And then they go back in time. Okay.
0: Okay. I have so many questions about this because it makes no sense because except for the bad guys, nobody from Eternia knows that this girl's parents are dead. Okay. And or her boyfriend knows, but nobody's been talking about her parents being dead or when it happened or how it happened or whatever. And then all of a sudden they open this portal, send it back to earth. The portal's already open. And then she's like, send me back in time. And then she's magically back in time. That I don't.
1: And and there's been no indication whatsoever that that device can send people through time. No, not until that
0: exact
1: point. They could have traveled back in time and fought Skeletor before he powered up. Right? There was like that adds so many holes to that movie that didn't need to exist. Um, There's also that bit where Evil Lynn turns into her mum And, like, she's like, we've been away doing some important work. And I didn't, like, maybe it was a good double-blind because I didn't get it. I was like, did I zone out for five minutes? Like, how are her parents back? This makes no sense. And then I clicked that it was Evil Lynn. Um, But how did Evil Lynn even know about it?
0: Well, because remember when they were beating up the boyfriend at the house, the bad guy with, like, the bad skin and the big blonde hair, Uh he found he found like a picture in a box and he was just like, it's it's this picture is clearly from this newspaper cutout." So, okay.
1: you know, yeah.
0: uh, it was like a millisecond that also. I obviously
1: didn't, zoned out for that. It, bit. Yeah,
0: I like it didn't make any sense that he would have put two and two together, to be honest. Um, but he did and showed it to her. And she's like, this will come in handy. And then it came at that part. So that's how I know the bad guys knew about it. But none of the good guys knew about it.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah, they just changed time or sent her to an. Yeah, I don't know. It was, that was the worst part of the movie for me. I like, I just, it also seemed unnecessary. Like, it seemed like she'd come to terms with losing her parents. But she and her boyfriend had resolved. That was enough. Like, the only really out, out, kind of outstanding part of the story was will they stay together? Because she was talking about breaking up. And I mean, that was kind of a throwaway storyline that really. Did not go anywhere after the first ten minutes of the well, movie? She
0: was going to New Jersey for some yes.
1: reason. Well, maybe uh, to to work at the other chicken shop. I I'm not <laughs> sure. i not I was talking I to know. my wife, and I was like, "You'd be some." We were talking about fried chicken for some reason, and I was like, "Oh, I'm actually about to watch Masters of the Universe." And for memory, fried chicken plays a big part in this movie. It didn't play as big of a part as I remember it play, but. Uh, <laughs> I thought there were more parts At that fried chicken shop I don't know that part must have connected with me as a kid Mm -hmm. I think it was the bit where they're in the bushes Eating the fried chicken And Gwildor is eating it in like that Really gross way where he gets gravy all over his beard And then he's like eating the Eating the thing and for some reason that bit That really was maybe the only bit Of the movie I could remember before I watched It last night and that bit I vividly Remember the bit of them sitting in a bush Eating chicken
0: One thing I didn't understand is why Tila was so grossed out about it. Like, on Eternia, are they, like, vegans or something? Like, what do they eat?
1: It seems like they'd added that for for reasons. Um, that was, that's the impression I got. Why's this meat on these white things? And then her dad, who's, like, this hardened army's guy, is like, they're dead animals. <laughs>
0: Like I don't care,
1: take it or leave it. It -mm." it was a weird extra thing to add that never went anywhere either. So like again, Tila was so underdeveloped. Like I feel like she was the most underdeveloped of every character. Mm. She would just follow them around. Yeah, (laughs) she
0: didn't do anything, and then she'd save the day for no reason, and then she'd disappear again for a while, and she'd just stand in the background going, making I made faces, people. It's faces. She's (laughs) making faces.
1: They were, they were very good. They transferred very well to an audio format. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, maybe that was w- what that bit was all about. They were like, Taylor doesn't do anything in this movie. We need to give her a character trait. Maybe she's vegetarian. <laughs> maybe she's a vegan. <laughs>
0: I like the fact, too, that if you watch the scene, she's eating it. She finds out there's animals. She's grossed out by it. Her mouth is still full of food. She doesn't spit yeah. any of it out. She no. drops the food in her hand, but doesn't spit any of the stuff out. So she yeah. was enjoying herself. It's
1: good face. fried chicken. Like you don't just throw away fried chicken, even if you realize you shouldn't be eating it. By the time you've eaten it, you're just gonna go with it. I think. Yeah, it's like- too late.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just absorb it. Just let it. Just let it take over. You just never have it again, which will be difficult because fried chicken is amazing. <laughs> you will have deadly cravings for it.
1: It's and and Gwildor obviously loved it Because he was covered, his filthy face Was covered in it um, And I think that's why I remember it as a kid I just remember thinking he was he was so gross in that scene And I liked gross things as a kid So I think that, just, that appealed to me uh, Gwildor generally a, a weird little guy yeah.
0: <laughs> I think he was a, a replacement for Orko To be honest 100%. You can't yeah. have this weird little dude Floating around if you don't have like CGI budget obviously they, they, only
1: had, they only had floating budget for those weird Discs in <laughs> that one scene like, <laughs>
0: Where everybody was standing still on it It was like an action figure they like tilted To like look I it's feel, moving
1: I feel like even at the time they could have made Orko like some kind of a puppet or something Like something. I feel like he was doable But instead we'll just get a little person And put so much makeup on them <laughs> So much makeup That their face barely moves <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah they're, they're I realized that I actually thought before I always thought like it was pretty well done. You know, you can at least see them talking. No, their their lips and their lower jaw doesn't move at all. It goes up and down, sort of. But that's Yeah,
1: and from scene to scene, his makeup doesn't always look like sometimes it works pretty well. Like sometimes he's he able to emo. And then at other times, like you say. It's almost like you can see his mouth underneath moving. And maybe that was late in the day when the glue was starting to wear off a little bit. And they were just like, we just need to film this and get it off. Um, Oh my God.
0: I was supposed to note, there was one scene where Skeletor does do that. It was one of the, I think this one is in like the gold helmet and stuff. They do a a shot of him sideways, uh, uh, like a profile shot, but you could see the, the front of the Skeletor thing isn't moving, but you can see in the space, in the like mouth, his mouth moving inside. I saw that.
1: Too. I also <laughs> had that as one of one of my notes. That at one point you can see his mouth inside of his mouth. Um, but that's okay. Like I think some of that was just limitations of the time. It's like that classic. Have you seen that picture from Ninja Turtles where if you brighten it, you can see like a you can see teeth and a and like a human face inside Michelangelo's mouth. Um, if you just brighten one of the scenes, <laughs> it's it's terrifying.
0: <laughs> I'm not surprised, but no, I've never done it. So.
1: So, there's something to do the next watch. I'll send you the picture later. You can can pop it on your Instagram. I'll I'll find it out. It's very funny. (laughs) Okay. I I think that was, yeah. And there were a lot of things like that where I don't know if the choices were because they just didn't have the budget, but like all of the villains, there's so many villains to pick from in Masters of the Universe. And apart from Beast Man and Evil Lynn, well, and obviously Skeletor, they didn't use any of them. Yeah. Which I think is crazy. Yeah.
0: Like they and made up what good. is it? What's his name? Spike, the the guy with like the swords or whatever, or the Blade. knives. Blades.
1: Blade. The only reason I know his name is Blades is because I had the figure of Blades, so he was one of the very few movie characters that got a figure, and I had him. Uh, he was one of my probably my least favorites as a kid, but but I did have him, and he. I think there were maybe one or two characters from the movie that, that got figures. And I think maybe there was even a couple of Dolph Lundgreny looking He-Men. And then there were some questions over likenesses and they stopped doing that. But there was Blades. And I remember Blades as being pretty intimidating because the figure is obviously on that same body that all of the human characters in He-Man are But mm-hmm. so he's like super beefy. He's got like this super solid head. He looks kind of old as well in the toy. So that's the way I remembered him in my memory. Watching this movie, he was very slim, and it, he was very much younger than I remembered him being. He
0: was wearing a chainmail dress. Like yeah. there was <laughs> one, there was only one scene where you saw him from head to toe, and they pulled back and was like, "Is that a-? he?" Like he didn't have pants on; he had boots on, no pants, chainmail dress thing. You know that was like an uneven hem, and then he had like blades on his shoulders and blades on his helmet i was like what is what is this what is who designed this what is
1: going on he got a lot of screen time because i think he was the only villain that could fight this costume so i think he got a lot more screen time than some of the others uh the other villains the snake guy looked pretty awesome with the with the puffy the breathing neck thing and then they they immediately killed him off like he was obviously just too expensive and they were like nah we can keep Blades, we can keep Beast Man. We can keep that. I forget what his name is—the guy with the big hair—and yeah, and he had a lot going on. Um, but we can't keep the snake. The snake's just too expensive, and we, we we need an extra an extra person just to breathe for him. So we're we gonna fire both of you guys. Sorry.
0: Um, <laughs> was that Beastman was that
1: Craig? Yeah, maybe. Korg, Korg, maybe or something. Like that cards, well, car- card? Card
0: card. C yeah. A R G card. He had
1: yeah. so much going on. He had that weird face, almost like half cat, half creepy monster thing. He just looked Which- like
0: he left his night cream on and he
1: had to wipe <laughs> it off. Like and then he was like 90% hair. And then he had a hook <laughs> hand as well. <laughs> and he like he just had he was like, We've got a few character designs we want to use. Well, you only get four villains, and we're killing one of them off. Oh, uh, how about we put all the villains into this one character?
0: All right, we got stuff. Let's do it. And then you've <laughs> got
1: Beast Man, who at first looks all right, and then you see him move at all, and he runs like this kind of chubby man running in overalls, and um, and like because he's got that sort of saggy, saggy fat fur pants that he wears. He yeah. always looks like he's having trouble running anywhere, and then they burn half of his face off early in the movie as well for, yeah. again, some some reason. And and then we get that. So we got Beast Man, I guess, who was at least a character from, from yeah, but, He-Man. But like but, you're
0: saying, he didn't do anything. No. And then, like, the two scenes he, quote, unquote, does something, one of them was hiding under carved skirts because, you know, Skeletor yelled at him. And you're like, what? What is happening here?
1: Yeah. No, Beast Man didn't come out very well.
0: But, yeah, I know, like, Beastman was just not used correctly. Um, I mean...
1: Shouldn't Beastman control animals or something in the cartoon? He had cool stuff he could do. And he looked scary. In this, he didn't look scary. He looked like someone had, like, found what was left of the Harry and the Hendersons costume, (laughs) stripped all the animatronics out of it and then just glued it to a man. (laughs) Who knows?
0: That might be what happened. (laughs) In the 80s, they were very thrifty like that. Somebody made something cool. And we're like, we're going to make something else cool out of that cool thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know if this man was cool. I think he, unfortunately, was maybe the worst looking of those guys, I think. The blades didn't look good. Okay, maybe none of... Carg uh, looked okay. He had a lot going on. <laughs> Kog looked, looked fun and the snake was really cool.
0: Yes. Yeah, I was shocked. I didn't think... I thought um, blades was the one who died first because it was like he sucks kill him first keep the snake yeah. dude but no that's the snake dude was the one they killed he was
1: the cheapest because yeah. that's why he got so much screen time and I'm confident he was a stunt man um that was probably they were like we can use him in the one fight against he-man where they use swords outside mm-hmm. of the end. Um so we we give a reason to use he-man and it doesn't matter that maybe Dolph Lundgren can't su- sword fight because we'll use this stunt man to kind of cover that up <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was he couldn't like, look, I have watched a lot of things that Dolph Lundgren has been in, including the original Punisher movie, which also has not aged well. Don't watch it. No need to. It's fine. But, you know, I've seen him do all his action things and they're fine. They're fine. But everything that they have him do in this movie is horrible. Yeah. But then I found out that this was, like, his second movie that he's ever done in, like, English language because he had just been in Rocky where he played. Rocky,
1: Yeah, and, and like Rocky, Rocky was, was his playing, first one. Playing someone who wasn't a native English speaker, so that was okay in Rocky. And he wasn't, he didn't need to do a lot in Rocky except stand and look intimidating. That and, was really all he needed to do. And he did a great job of that. Um, I think in this they were asking him to do a little bit more. and. Mm-hmm. Actually watching him now, I was going in expecting his acting to be horrible. Yeah. And I think he was about on par with most of the other good guys. Like yeah. Yeah. I think Skeletor and Evil Lid were better. Like and I think Evil Lid looked good. Like speaking of villains that didn't look good, I think Evil Lid looked pretty good. Yeah, I think um, she
0: was well cast and like well presented. Like she comes across as menacing, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, and so, good. Like so, and they were both. I think they were the two best actors. Like I think Evil and, and Skeletor are probably the two best actors in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Skeletor, like, is it Frank Langella that played? Uh, it Skeletor? is, yes. And he seemed to be enjoying what he was doing and having fun with it. And he was, he wasn't the cartoon Skeletor, but he he was that kind of very exaggerated, over the top villain and i think that worked pretty well and
0: yeah he chewed uh, scenery real good and you're just yeah. like yeah i get this i get this you did, you you cast correctly for this yeah, he
1: committed yeah. he really fully committed to to being that and i think he worked really well and like i say i think the good guys taylor had nothing to do but i i think they were serviceable like i think all of the acting was to me serviceable like it was about what i would expect in one of these kinds of movies at the time
0: yeah it's true like like you can't say it was good. You can't. No, I
1: don't. Um, <laughs> but
0: most of it, you you can't say it was just like, oh my god, how did these people get these jobs? Blah blah blah. It was they were clearly hired as a like, you'll do. This is this is fine.
1: Yeah. This is fine. You look a bit like this person, uh, or uh, like you're a pretty lady. You'll look nice in this this tie outfit that we're going to put you in. Yeah. Was so I don't know if you noticed this in the opening credits. When the names were popping up, I was paying a little bit of attention, but I was kind of half so out. And one of the actors is called Christina Pickles. Um, is Christina Pickles Tila? Because there were only three female characters. No, Christina
0: Pickles was the sorceress.
1: Oh, okay. Christina Pickles was awesome. Then that's such a it's such yeah. an interesting name. <laughs> so
0: I looked her because I was looking at her, and I'm like, I recognize you from things. Like, why do I recognize your face? And per usual, I've just watched way too many TV, too much TV, too many things. And the first thing I found out, she was in Friends. And I'm like, I haven't watched Friends. Also reunion with Courtney Cox, whatevs. Um, so I was like, that's hilarious. But then I was like, oh, she was in Wedding Singer and Romeo and Juliet. And I was like, oh, I get uh, it. I yeah. know. Where yeah. she plays like, I don't remember. she plays small parts, like in The Wedding yeah. Singer, she is Drew Barrymore's mother.
1: Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then
0: in Romeo and Juliet, she is Juliet's mother.
1: Uh, Okay, cool. So those are the
0: two things I was just like, oh, I recognize. Oh, that's where, like, her face will pop into my head because this is what I recognize her from. Yeah,
1: easily. But in this, you can only see her face, too. So you've got no idea what her hair looks like or any of those sorts of things. So that probably is another reason why I wouldn't have necessarily recognized her in other things going forward. Uh, Christina Pickles. So Christina Pickles and Courtney Cox made had some sort of friendship and she went on to, to maybe bring her across to friends too. So
0: maybe I don't know. I have no idea what seasons she was in. I am not a fan of friends. So I haven't seen it, but um, <laughs> so I, I can't give you lots of answers of that.
1: Courtney Cox was in this.
0: Yeah.
1: And her boyfriend
0: Yes. <laughs> Tom Paris, good to put yeah. out there. Yes, uh Robert Duncan McNeil. Yeah.
1: They were they're were fine again. Yeah, they, they were fine. products of the story I think that was being told, not being maybe most people's first pick for a Masters of the Universe story. Mm-hmm. But as random boyfriend and girlfriend, I think they were fairly likable and
0: yeah, there was nothing wrong with their characters. I just think yeah. they were there was no purpose to them. They weren't used very well. And, you know, they were just like, what do we do? They're like, just just act. They're like, okay.
1: We, I, I we feel- need an excuse to have He-Man on Earth to save some money. We probably, if we're going to put him on Earth, should have some human characters too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they're, like, my problem isn't even the fact that, like, there were a couple, like, for the reason for He-Man to be on Earth. My problem is, like, that intense backstory they had, was just unnecessary like none yeah. of it made a po- like there was no point to any of their intense backstory like like maybe if their her parents died in a plane crash because the key went back in time and blew up their plane okay yeah okay yeah but but no like the rest of it would just like you're like but why does her parents have to be dead like her parents could be alive she could just be a kid who works at like a diner and she's hanging out with her boyfriend and they find a thing.
1: You're right. It, it, it added nothing to the story having no parents. Yeah, because it doesn't it,
0: resolve anything. They don't develop because of it. They don't change anything. As soon as He Man and stuff show up, like they forget instantly. Everything.
1: And it's not like they needed to get the parents out of the way because his parents aren't in it either. Like, <laughs> like yeah. it's not like they just wanted a reason to have kids kind of be on the loose without parents around like his parents aren't in the movie at all. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't. Yeah. It's a weird decision. I think again, to maybe try and develop characters that they recognize didn't have maybe that much development, but then also not like, say not doing anything with it. If I think exactly what you said, if the key had been the reason her parents had died. Okay, cool. Now that's a bit more interesting. Now she's got some stakes. Maybe she, that's why she doesn't like Skeletor. Like, She's got some kind of things to build off, but it doesn't go anywhere except for it is a plot device to use to one kind of trick her in one scene. And then at the end, create an ending that's far more complicated and makes no sense. Unnecessary.
0: It is unnecessary because even that trick, if her parents were still alive, that trick still could have worked. She could have been like, she'd be like, Oh, how did you get here? We came looking for you.
1: Done. That's it. probably probably more likely to work too because she would know that her parents aren't buried in a graveyard because she that she visited them at earlier in the movie <laughs> exactly.
0: which three seconds later they find the key and completely forget that they were sad um yes. and they're like oh it's a synthesizer from Japan I'm like is that you find a random thing in a crater in a graveyard and you're like it's a synthesizer from Japan gotcha good job guys. I,
1: I, that's a real trope and I, I think it, maybe it was an especially a trope in the 80s of that because I think in the 80s Japan was seen as that really futuristic place and, and I mean, we both have lived in Japan. It's, yeah. it's futuristic in ways but in other ways not. But um, I think that seemed to be a thing in the 80s but I remember even, actually this was while we lived in Japan, going and seeing Transformers mm. and there's a joke like that in Transformers about some like some technology being from Japan, and it's like, man, are we still doing this? Like in the early two thousands. <laughs> um, yes. And so, as soon as they made that joke, that's what I thought of, and because I watched it in Japan, and I remember just cringing when I saw that that scene in Transformers. And and I don't know that it really, I don't know that the people in the cinema with me really thought much of it. But I I felt like I felt like, come on, as as a Westerner, we could do better than this. <laughs> well, <laughs> we could get better worse than this.
0: I mean, I also think in general, they didn't really get a lot of the humor or maybe it's just how they take in movies is different because yeah. uh, we went to go see um, what Hairspray uh, while we were there. And were you there or was it just the girls who went to? I go don't play?
1: think was I you... saw Hairspray with you guys. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, maybe we saw Hairspray. And there's, to be honest, that version of Hairspray is... It does build on the original, and I think it's hilarious and well done. This and is the John, Church, yeah, and he's super creepy, but that's the whole point. Anyways, um, but I like, like the there movie. are parts that are hilarious. There are like where we would just start laughing and the rest of the theater is completely silent because they don't think the jokes translated well, or maybe the actual translation didn't do justice to the jokes. I don't know. I thought it was fine, but it was very clear people weren't getting
1: it. Yeah, and it's hard to know if because obviously we're watching it in English. We're not reading the translation. Well, I certainly wasn't. Like I don't read Japanese. So not knowing what they've actually, if they didn't speak English, if they're actually reading the subtitles, you're not sure what they actually read. (laughs) And, And I wonder if some of that is, I don't know, maybe that culture that, they tend to be a, a pe- people that are quieter yeah, that, like a bit more reserved in, in sharing their emotions and things like that and I wonder if that plays a role in some of those kinds of things as well yeah really interesting because uh, Transformers I feel like played pretty well in the group that I saw it with mm-hmm. but those jokes died but to be fair they weren't good jokes because they died for me as well so yeah
0: but it was also in Transformers <laughs> those were kind of bad movies
1: yes oh, yeah yes like and it probably wasn't the first one yeah oh maybe it was the first one
0: i don't think it was the first one because i it, saw the first one in canada so it would have been after the first one
1: yeah so maybe it was actually i think maybe it was the first one because i think it took a while to come out there i um, think it came out um like right after i left australia and mm-hmm. then we because i remember me and our other friend ross we'd both been in Japan for a while and we'd wanted to see Transformers and we couldn't see it because it it taken. I think it took a bit longer to come out there maybe oh yeah it did did come out in
0: in 2007
1: yeah Uh, it was the first one so it was okay Transformers
0: well my problem with the first one is that it had a quote unquote good story compared to the other movies but you couldn't oh this may have been the last movie I saw before I came to Japan
1: I reckon. It came out July
0: 3rd,
1: 2007. Yeah, Um, I reckon you saw it right before you came and then we saw it uh, kind of a little bit after that, I would guess.
0: Yeah. Um, But, like, my problem with the first Transformers movie is that when the robots were fighting or when they were transforming, you couldn't actually see what was happening. Like, you couldn't make out what was going on. It was just, like, you had a robot and a truck and in between was just, like, mash of metal you're like and noise and wow it was one or the other suddenly but then as the movies went on they figured out how to actually like show the fighting properly and show the transforming properly but then the stories got worse and worse and worse and worse and the actors got worse and worse and worse
1: and you're just like oh my god more and more human characters yeah. that nobody yeah. cared about as those exactly. movies went on. i like, this movie already goes for three and a half hours. Cut some of these humans out. Like, exactly. we don't need any of them. Um, yeah. I, and I know this is a Transformers podcast, but I, I, a couple of other things on Transformers. <laughs> yeah. That first one, I, I quite enjoy that first one. as kind of a guilty pleasure movie. Like, I feel like that was a movie I watched a lot of times when I was hungover on DVD back in the day. <laughs> and they did. They got progressively worse. I think the good thing about the first one is, most of the characters were somewhat likable. They hadn't been taken to the point of being really awful yet in that yes. one. And the Transformers themselves, I think you're you're right about the transforming aspect. But in that one, the Transformers all looked distinct, like they had their own colors, and they. Whereas I feel like in the later movies, sometimes it's hard to tell which Transformer was which yes. because they were all, especially the bad guys, were all just grey. Whereas in that first one, you had like the police car and you had like like Optimus Prime who's clearly the red and blue one and you have Bumblebee who's clearly the yellow one and like they all had kind of their own colour scheme, I feel like a bit more in that first one and then they got a bit more realistic, I guess, as they went on. So then they looked more like realistic vehicles. Which and- was stupid, yeah. Yeah. And they look less and less like it until we got to Bumblebee, which I actually thought was a fantastic movie. I but
0: liked it when I finally watched it. I got around to it. And I was like, "This movie is fine. What are people talking about?" Like, yes
1: yeah. I would have much rather. I think that movie. My understanding is it was had the best critical reception and the worst like financial uh, gains. Like it was yeah, nobody saw it. Nobody yeah. saw it. Um, I think after
0: after watching the the which one the the first Mark Wahlberg one or whatever, people were just like we're done with this.
1: Yes, and I remember seeing it with a friend of mine and seeing all we saw pretty much all of them except for the last night. I didn't see that until a lot later, which I think was maybe one of the last ones. But each time we'd see it, and there was almost a part of us that really wanted to enjoy them, and we'd be like you know what, I think that was better than the last one. And then (laughs) we'd have some time to kind of process and we'd talk again like two weeks later and we're like, I've been thinking more about it. Like Optimus Prime is like really bloodthirsty in that one. And uh, by the end of it, we're like, no, that was much worse than the previous one. We just wanted to like them and they were new and there was that excitement that maybe they're going to get it right this time. And then by the time we got to Bumblebee, they didn't even see that. I saw it. And it took me a really long time to convince them that it was worth watching because they're like, no, this is the same thing you always do, Brendan. You say it was better than the last one and then we watch it and it's not better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I waited until Bumblebee was on TV for like a year and then finally one day I was bored and I was like, fine, I'll look at it. And I was like, oh, this is good.
1: I saw it at the cinema because, and again, I'm just a mark for these things. I think, but I saw it at the cinema, and I was like so happy. Like I remember just watching it, and like it's set in the '80s, which is my favorite period for movies to be set in. Uh, I liked, like I like Haley Steinfeld in it. I liked all, like all the casts were good. There were, it was basically the story of Transformers one again. But better, like with better actors and more likable people. Exactly and, and that looked more like the characters that they were in the in the cartoons and the toys. But man, I just love Bumblebee so much when I watched it. And like it's maybe not as much it's not even as good, maybe, as I feel like I think it is. But it was just such a pleasant surprise to see a Transformers movie that I didn't have to feel uncomfortable about and there were no like <laughs> weird. Racial jokes, and there were no like, bubblebee peeing on people, and there was no, there was just like no uncomfortable elements in it. It was just like a nice, wholesome, enjoyable Transformers movie. Yeah. John Cena, kind yeah. of being John Cena in there, and being he was a lot of fun. Just yeah, I'm I'm sure you weren't going to get to Bumblebee. So there's my review of Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're supposed to be talking about Masters of the Universe, but I love Bumblebee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to give it another watch because I think I've only seen it once. Um, and like I said, this would have been a couple of years ago now. Um, so, hmm, I'll have, I, I mean, I have nothing against it. I remember watching it and having the exact same thing. I was like, oh, that was good. Okay. Yeah, it's I'm good. shocked. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, pleasantly surprised. Uh, and yeah, no And then I tr- I think I tried to watch Last Night Which was also on TV And I almost pulled all of my eyes out And I was just, I was like, what is this nonsense Like, I can't yeah. I can't do this
1: <laughs> Yeah, Last Night was, was pretty bad I think I've only watched that one once yeah. um, And actually, to be honest I think I've only watched most of them Apart from the first one at Bumblebee Once I That's feel like cool. I watched them at the cinema Last night I did watch a DVD and I feel like I never watched them again. Like I was like, uh
0: There's no need to. That's and that's
1: yeah. the thing. Yeah. Funnily enough, I have quite a few of the toys from the movies because quite a few of the designs I did like. Like I have Grimlock and I have I have a lot of the Bumblebee ones. I do like the Transformers quite a bit in those movies. I just don't like any part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if they were I guess I guess that relates. It's a toy property movie, very much like Masters of the Universe.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like Masters of the Universe, they jumped on the success of creating your own brand and then having selling it to kids based on cartoons and stuff like that, right? So um, I mean, Transformers did it um because Masters they, of the
1: Universe very like, much like Masters of the Universe, they missed the point of their why people like the originals and they felt the need to add a lot of new stuff that probably didn't need to be there. Exactly,
0: Um, yeah. Well, and I think this is one of the reasons why the movie flopped so badly is because so much stuff that people know to be He-Man was missing and the story just didn't make sense. You're just like, you're watching it, you're like, this isn't He-Man. Why are you here? Who's these people? What's going on? It was just a very different... Everything because I know the comic books were a lot more serious than the cartoon. Fine, but you still have to make it in their world, and it just wasn't in their world. Whether it's a budgetary thing or not, yeah, you, you would have to find some other way to to put it in the proper space with these characters, and they didn't. They just went completely outside of it, lost their audience, and just didn't put out something good.
1: Yeah, and it seems like they could have got filmed it filmed in, largely in fields and deserts and probably still done like it probably still wouldn't have cost that much like they probably could have used the budget in a more sensible way maybe and and done that it's an interesting one because we, we talked about when it came out and it probably missed for a lot of people i i know there are a lot of people that that masters of the universe movie did really appeal to and they were Masters of the Universe fans, and I think they were happy to get a Masters of the Universe movie. And even though it wasn't what they were looking for, it was kind of we all have those movies that are meaningful for that we see when we're kids. And I feel like for a lot, there are like quite a few people that I know that Masters of the Universe maybe is that for them. So, like for me, that was movies like Ghostbusters, and I think this and maybe Ninja Turtles. Some of those gremlins, those kinds of things. I think there were people that Masters of the Universe really did connect with, despite maybe even for them not being super true to the to the cartoon or or the toys or whatever. That it was still something that they were just happy to have, and it was not. And we haven't had another live action He-Man. We've had a lot of cancelled live action He-Man stuff, which is so
0: disappointing. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think they did th- they did do that Netflix thing um last year that was actually pretty good. I kind of yeah, liked it. it. Cool. Yeah and
1: they seem to be and Netflix seems to be the one person I think, at least on the media side of things, trying to do stuff with Masters of the Universe. They they did that with the Kevin Smith animated one. They mm-hmm. did the animated series, the that's more aimed at kids as well that recently came out. So it's like a CGI one. Okay. And, uh, I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's pretty good. Like it's it, it's aimed at kids, obviously, but it, apparently it's quite fun. And they did the Shira um series which was before that, which yeah, which I've heard good stuff. But I hear really, really good things, and um, and the bits I've seen were really good. So I think there are people kind of championing that championing championing that brand. Uh, we just haven't quite got that live action one again yeah. yet. And I think they they have even cast people and stuff over the years. It just yes. hasn't quite worked out, unfortunately. So this is for now the live-action Masters of the Universe that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost impossible to find someone to watch it in Australia. That was the biggest part of the, the that I had. I had to sign up to MGM's um, streaming service through through Amazon Prime. So through Amazon Prime, I can sign up to MGM. Have like I guess. I didn't know this was a thing, but they had like a sub channel that I could sign up to through Amazon Prime. And that was the only way I could find a watch of the University of Australia. Yeah, I was, was very so far happy. Far my America.
0: yeah, I was very happy my DVD worked because it was the same thing here. You'd have to like sign up through three different things to get to it, and I was like, oh my god, please work!
1: Yay! I, I would have probably even bought it, but I'm not sure how much of a wide release it got on DVD here. I re- I feel like it would have come out. I remember going to. A DVD store that was kind of like a specialty one where DVDs were, were like were still really big, yeah. And buying and being s- blown away to find Howard the Duck and Super Mario Brothers. And I feel like Masters of the Universe maybe probably got a release from that same company that released those two movies, but uh, that was
0: it. It was Warner Brothers, by the way.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, and I think. It, it only probably got a fairly small release here. I don't remember ever seeing it on DVD because I think I would have bought it because it was one of those movies I did watch a lot as a kid. I I don't know if I told this on the story this story last time I was on your podcast, but I would go. I stayed with my grandparents a lot because my parents worked and and also my grandparents had electricity, so I liked it there. <laughs> and um, we, one of the things we would do is go and visit my auntie. And going and visiting my auntie was fine, but she had this wardrobe that was full of pirated videotapes, what I now understand to be pirated videotapes, and Masters of the Universe was one of the ones that she had. So it was one of the ones that I would regularly borrow and rewatch. So I think that's why it still, like, appeals to me quite a bit. No, I think that, yeah, it appealed to me as as a kid. And there is some nostalgia, even though I hadn't watched it for a long time. Going back to it, I did and I didn't remember it, but I did enjoy it. Overall, like I enjoyed the experience of re-watching it. I think overall maybe it's not the world's best movie, <laughs> certainly not the world's best He-Man movie, but as someone that enjoys kind of 80s mid-budget action stuff that likes fantasy and likes optical effects. Like I enjoyed the visual effects and all the red beams and lightning (laughs) on Skeletor. There's a part of me that is really nostalgic for that era of film. So even if I'm not specifically nostalgic for this film, I enjoyed going back to it and I enjoyed watching it. And I enjoyed the scene of Gildor covered in gravy in a bush. That (laughs) was the only one that stood out to me. So overall, like I had fun with it.
0: Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I have a crazy soft spot for this movie, obviously. And I watched this movie. I used to watch the movie all the time. And when I was watching it, I remembered all of it. I just found it, it came across so much more disjointed and choppy than I remembered. So to me a lot of the story was just like it just seemed all over the place like why are you here how come you're over there now what's going on over here what's with this guy why are we back in a music shop what's going on you know like it was it was a lot of like jumpy things happening in there that just kind of yes. went all over the place and like and there was no like character building there was no like there seemed to be no real like there was an urgency but everybody seemed to be taking their time still if you know what i mean it was just like yeah. there was a lot of sitting around doing? there was a like, lot of sitting around
1: in, in warehouses and alleys largely <laughs> and, um, and other places that they could hide bushes yeah. uh, anywhere that was cheap to film but then they could sit for a while and and make this movie feature length <laughs> but they, yeah that and that was a problem and I kind of said, I guess, that the story works. The more that you talk about it, the more I'm kind of recognising that maybe it did it and maybe I wasn't paying enough attention to that aspect of it. Yeah. Because really all you needed was He-Man's escaped. Like even if you want to do the Earth storyline, you, you say He-Man's escaped to Earth, Skeletor's trying to get him to get something, and we don't need all of the other back and forth. Like yeah. all of the – we don't need all of those different things. It's just like He-Man's here. Maybe he needs to get back to save his world. Skeletor needs to get to him because he needs this thing. He needs to conquer the world. And that's really all. That's That's enough reason to both be on earth.
0: (laughs) Well, and and I think that's the problem. Like they try to put too much story into it. Like if you just make it just really basic straight line, He-Man has a thing, Skeletor wants it back, and we're going to drain power from uh, the sorceress. Actually, that part isn't even necessary to be honest. Like he just wants the sword, sure, whatever. Just like
1: the power for the sorceress did not actually do anything. He still he was still easily able to fight him in combat.
0: Because all his power went into his staff for some reason, so when you broke it, it went back. I I don't.
1: He had a force field. Yeah,
0: Yeah. but that
1: that disappeared later on when they went back to the throne room again. That a lot disappeared in the room. (laughs)
0: yeah there were just so many questions like so many questions like but i think the questions are there because it was just so unnecessary you know it's like and i think that's why like i'm gonna put this with uh john wick for example like the first john wick movie where people are just like dude's gonna kill this guy because he killed his dog that was it that was that was the whole movie
1: yeah it was awesome
0: and it worked because At the end of the movie, you just, you don't have questions. You don't, you're not, you're like, oh, the guy's part of the mafia or whatever. He's part of an assassin. Sure, but that's not part of the story. You're like, no, he's doing what he needs to do to kill this guy who killed his dog. That is it. That's the whole movie. But, and yes, the other John Wick movies are entertaining, but they're not as good as the first one because they're trying to put too much story. So at the end of it, you're just like, this doesn't make any sense because of all of this other stuff. So there's too many questions. So if they made the Masters of the Universe movie simpler, by the end of it, it would have been like, okay, He-Man won, we're done, and you'd have been happy about it. But because they put so much stuff into it, you're just like, it doesn't make sense because you're forgetting of all these twelve things.
1: And I, I think you're right. I know, I, and I know I was making fun of like Tila having no development, but at the same time, it wasn't that wasn't a huge problem for this movie. Like they could have. Go with a simpler story, I don't think anyone came to Masters of the Universe looking for a complex story anyway. I don't think that's what people wanted, and maybe they could have just given people some more character moments, some more of those iconic creatures and things, even if they were only for, like, blink and you miss it cameos or scenes or or whatever. I think if they'd spent less time on, like, say, music shops and... (laughs) Exploding microwaves and all of those things—they could have maybe given people a bit more of what they actually probably wanted from it, anyway. Yeah.
0: Or like the, or like the thing that always confused me—I forgot. I did forget about this scene. So the part where they first activate the key and uh, Evelyn locates it on Earth, and then they pull on like Google Maps, zoom in on like the house or whatever, <laughs> and you're just like, wait, what? How? What? How was, first of all, b- before I continue, MapQuest, Google, whatever, didn't exist. So the fact that this was happening made no sense. And second of all, even if they had like the technology to do it, who has a telescope from a separate galaxy that can zoom in that <laughs> close on a building, on a random planet, on a solar system, however many light years away?
1: And at the same time, this technology is jammed if someone turns a microwave on.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: I'm sure and when, there was when they're on the Earth, same planet, the too. Yeah. I'm sure there was... Even if he wasn't running the microwave, I'm sure someone around was probably using a microwave at some point. Yeah, it was... And it was weird because, again, it didn't add anything, really, except that they knew where he was. But they kind of... They just sort of knew that anyway. Like, yeah. they didn't... Yeah. I guess... And it was played, I guess it was an opportunity to play a joke, like have it played as a joke that, oh, the microwave blocks the thing and, and then it blows up, they blow up the microwave. But it wasn't really funny. It wasn't really like, I don't know if it was being played as a joke. I think if it had been a bit more done that way, maybe it would have been better, but yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it just, like... This is one of those movies at certain points, it takes itself too seriously, but then at other points, it doesn't take itself seriously enough. And you're yes. just like, what balance are you looking for here? Like wh- what, what level of entertainment are you trying to go for? Like, what is, what do you want? Do you, do you want us to be like, you know, tense action? Oh my God, he blew something up. Ah! Or do you want us to be like, Haha, that's really funny. Like, like what level yes. do you want?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and There were a lot of things going on I think that's what we can probably both agree on With this movie There are a lot of things happening in it I think there are a lot of things happening behind the scenes That we see elements of In the movie as well Mm. Uh, But we don't necessarily understand 100% without knowing the full context Of what what was going on in the background But we should see elements of that Like that final fight being just They needed to shoot an ending And so they did it in the cheapest way That they could do it
0: Way possible, yeah
1: there are earlier parts of the movie where like those earlier parts on Eternia look pretty good, I think. And like the matte paintings of Skull and yeah. like some nice stuff early on, like it does set up that kind of it's very much that 80s cheaper end of town fantasy, but it does kind of it sells that fantasy pretty well. Um, and then that disappears. Very uh, quickly. A- like it disappears
0: so quickly. It's like 10 it minutes. Is-
1: yeah, and then we're on Earth, and then when we return, we don't really see. We only see the throne room. Um, even when we see the guy like settling into his new home on Eternia, he's sitting in the throne room, like it, like beside like
0: the sorceress for some reason. Like, what are you now? Like, are you? Yeah. What is? Like, what is your position? Do you have like? Are you some high level sorcerer now? Like, what's your job? Are you? Are you a protector of the sorceress? Like, oh, what is happening? It's just. It's a lot. There's a lot of questions this leaves you with, and that's the problem with it. I think it's yeah, yeah. I do hope they finally get around to doing another movie, though.
1: Like I I just, I I do too. I need them to do it. Yeah, yeah. We need Battle Cat if we get a live action (laughs) universe movie. Otherwise, just (laughs) we want Battle Cat. We want a man riding a giant green tiger, or we don't want. Or I can speak for everyone. I don't want it. If it doesn't have a man (laughs) riding a giant green tiger.
0: Even if it's just like cringer in the background and just shows up afterwards, Battle Cat. You don't have to do his transformation on screen. Fine. I get it. But we need to see it happen. Okay. He's got to have the big saddle and everything. Like this has to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down for it. I'm down
1: for it. We have we pretty much covered that one. (laughs) Um, I think
0: so. We've been we have been intensely picking apart at it
1: for the last like (laughs) hours. Because, like I say, I know it's a movie that's meaningful to some people, um, and I know it's a movie that overall I still had a good time watching. But looking at it critically, it's not a very good. No, like
0: like you can't. You cannot put this in front of fresh eyes. You can't. Yes. It, it, if you put this front of fresh eyes, people will fight you. They'll be like, what is wrong with you? This is not good. What are you talking about? Look at this. Look at these. Sea-. Like like we were talking about the part where they're on like the flying discs or whatever, where it looks like action figures, they just tilt sideways and like cut into the picture. Like it's it's pretty bad, even, even for that time period. But as, yeah. as something that you grew up with and something that you you know about like you understand the background of it yeah yes. stick with it it's it's fine yeah.
1: yeah yeah if you enjoyed it as a kid watch it again if you didn't <laughs> watch it before just maybe give it a miss <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's unnecessary i mean unless unless you're getting into the he-man she-ra fandom and you're like you watched all the new stuff and you're gonna watch the classic cartoon and if you or can if get you might, through the classic cartoon, whoo, fine. But yeah, you can get this. Or a if shot you're take. into
1: those kind of, if you're a film nerd and you're into those kind of 80s, kind of low budget fantasy, like if you enjoyed Willow, if you enjoyed. You cannot fantasies. say bad things
0: about Willow. I'm sorry.
1: You I haven't watched it since I was a kid. I, but I feel like it's that, it's not, again, it's not the top end of town fantasy. Krull. Those kinds of movies okay. where where there's fantasy elements but they're in spacey. If you yeah. like those things and you are okay with like and you enjoy those kind of older effects and those kinds of things, I think there's stuff to enjoy here. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Cinema. Oh yeah. Um, but I think the average person that you just like seeing movies that are new at the cinema, you're gonna hate it. It's not gonna be <laughs> it's, it's not so gonna be true. a cup of tea. <laughs> um, it's so like, true. <laughs> Like go 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 watch a new Marvel movie or something like that. You're gonna have a, a way better time than you're gonna have with, with something like this. Um, I don't if,
0: know. I, I saw Thor: <laughs> Love and Thunder, and whew, that was that was difficult. You
1: not like that it? one?
0: Was difficult for me, and I was just like, oh, they're really dropping the ball
1: here. I thought it was. I I did think it was one of the weaker ones. I enjoyed aspects of it quite a mm. bit, uh, but overall, as a movie, I don't know that it. I don't think it, the pacing was really weird and it just, a lot of stuff didn't connect very well together for me. Uh, A lot of the individual parts were cool, but then...
0: But I think the problem is, is like they're leaning too hard into the humour or trying to lean too hard into the humour and how Taika Waititi does it is that he does a lot of like improv and stuff and it comes across, whereas you know the marvel universe is set up in a way where things are precise for a reason so that everything connects in a certain way and you can tell i'm like oh this scene is clearly improv no they had to say these specific things here this part is improv like you can pick out those areas and it was frustrating to me because the parts that were improv you're just like there's too much chatter and there's too much nothing happening like can we just keep going
1: this would be yeah, great. it's hard for me because those bits are simultaneously what makes the movie not work, but also some of my favorite bits. Like it's, it, and I think maybe I don't know. I think it could have been fixed. Like maybe if they'd had Korg, because Korg's the narrator, so everything technically is from his point of view. But they didn't play that up enough because I think if they'd played up more that Korg was telling the story, then some of that goofier stuff works better because it's Korg's retelling versus what actually happened. And I think there were some sort of bits that where that didn't work. Because I think there were bits where it worked really well. Like there's the scene where um, Christian Bale just lost his child and it's like quite powerful. Mm -hmm. And then you you get this god that just doesn't care. Like I think that contrast there made that first scene even more powerful. Oh yeah when it
0: what I agree with you. When it started and those that scene played I was like that is Like not awesome as in like, yeah, she's dead. No, but like it was such a good juxtaposition. Like and you can see where his anger comes from because of it. Like he's feeling all this grief and he's being ignored and in this bright place and blah, 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 blah. Like, I got it. Like you understood where he was coming from because of how intensely
1: juxtaposed it was. And there were some of the the cancer story bits with Jane Foster where, like, I legitimately teared up at times. Like, there were, there was, I think there was, I think it was, like, two-thirds of the way of being something really special. Mm -hmm. But then it just, I don't know what it was. Because in a way, it's not that different to Ragnarok, which I think Ragnarok just worked so much better. But, um, and there's so many good bits. Like, and I really liked the end scene with, like, all the, Spoilers if you haven't seen Thor, <laughs> the like the end scene with all the kids, like mm. all the Asgardian kids, and he gave them his power. Like I liked all of that stuff. There was so much in that movie that I enjoyed, but I agree it didn't quite. It as a cohesive movie, it didn't quite work. Um, yeah, yeah. It was, it which was a shame because I had kind of really. But I had quite high expectations. I love Taika YTT. I loved Ragnarok. I love Chris Hemsworth. Like, I I was expecting a lot, and maybe that's maybe I was a bit harsher on it. Although, after the movie, like, I enjoyed myself. I just didn't think it was as good as it probably could have been or should have been.
0: Yes. Like, there were definitely a couple of scenes where I was like, this is really funny, or like, that's really cool, and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the movie, I walked out and was just like, what okay like just that's just how i
1: felt i was like okay and and simultaneously we're getting like Ms. marvel on tv which i thought was like a fantastic show i did not like the
0: ending but i I liked it uh, overall
1: yeah i think the ending uh, and i think maybe that's been a bit of a problem with some of their shows generally like they resolve things quite quickly and um but i think in terms of just like setting up that character and like the whole show wasn't out yet we'd really only got that those kind of early episodes when i saw thor and it's just like, oh man, like you're just nailing it here. Like, like this this story about this family is so beautiful, and like I'm loving all that casting here. And I mean, I love the casting in Thor, to be fair. Like that wasn't the problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just it just maybe I don't know. Maybe did Taika have just a little bit too much creative control, and maybe did he just need someone to rein him in just a little bit? Like, I'm
0: nodding, I'm agreeing.
1: Yes. Yeah, I i wonder if maybe that's the difference between Ragnarok. Maybe he had a few more limitations. And for this one, they said go crazy. And Tyker has made fantastic films. Like overall, like Jojo Rabbit, ah uh, Boy, Hunt for the Widow people, all amazing movies that I really love. But they're smaller movies and they're not trying to also fit into this cohesive world and they're not doing all that other stuff that Marvel is doing. And yeah, so maybe
0: Yeah, because you're they're trying to progress not just Thor's story, but a bunch of stories around it and like exactly. in this world. And it has to fit in with the rest of the storytelling. And there's nothing wrong, like like with Ragnarok, which a lot of I enjoy the movie, but the movie's pointless. It's just, it. there's no reason for it. It's it's pointless. Anyways, people are going to hate me. It's fine. But it's an enjoyable movie to watch. I enjoy watching it. And then you think about it, and you're just like, what was the point of that?
1: Nothing. Anyways, but... To, like, to get Hulk and Thor in the right place for the beginning of Infinity War. <laughs> that, right.
0: They had to. They just have to explain why they were missing from like the last battle and yeah. like, uh, like what is it? Uh, Civil War was right before that, I think. Yeah. So they have to, like, it's like, why easy, were they missing? And,
1: yeah. and actually, maybe is why that was. For, maybe that worked better for Tyker. I think, and I think that maybe this is the point that you're making as well. Is that that one? It didn't matter as much, like. And, and maybe Thor at that point wasn't in the best place. He wasn't one of the A-tier characters. Like, two, Thor 2 didn't do that well. So he, they were kind of able to maybe get away with a bit more. And then we got, like, some really cool Thor stuff in the, like, Infinity War endgame. We got some more growth. And it d- does... I mean, I think they explained his character progression... Uh, regression probably more of a regression at the beginning of um, Love and Thunder, but that he's kind of gone back to not caring that much and he's kind of a bit more to that earlier Thor again. But, yeah, I don't know. It I don't know. It just didn't... I think we both agreed it didn't work. I think maybe less for you than for me. Um, I think I maybe enjoyed it a bit more than you did by the sound of it. But um, I, and I think most people, like even my friends who are big Marvel fans are big Tyker fans as well uh this isn't their favorite and it's no. probably not going to be their favorite no. <laughs> um
0: it's it's not it's not going to be anybody's favorite as far as i, I know. we do get
1: misses every now and again and yes. it happens does not it
0: <laughs> yeah i think i think the problem is is that they were also having the dc problem where if there were they were just getting too serious they're like let's throw yeah. in something fun and light and and silly because even with the the tv shows like you have like moon knight was pretty heavy yeah. Division was pretty heavy um what was the other one uh loki even though yeah. there was a lot of like antics and silliness in it <laughs> by the end the of winter- it it was very heavy
1: yeah falcon of the winter soldier fairly yes. political and um like really i think of the tv shows Prior to Ms. Marvel, and I mean Ms. Marvel has a lot of um, it has a lot to say. It's it's a lighter show, but it ha- it, it has a lot to say. I think yeah. about the world. Um, I really think really the only kind of light action adventure TV show that we've got in the new MCU is Hawkeye, um, which was yes. just fun. Which that was, was fun. A, It was a um, lot of fun. Yeah. And but yeah, like say so we have had a lot of heavier stuff, and I've heard people make complaints that like post-Endgame, the MCU's really struggling. I don't know that I'd go that far. We've had No Way Home. We've had a lot of great shows. We've had um, Shang-Chi that I thought was really good. Like, we've had even, like, Doctor Strange, maybe not the best Marvel movie, but a fun watch. Like, we, it's not in this terrible place that I think some people might... Have have you believed that No, that it is- I,
0: it's not as floundering As people think it is I think the problem is Is they're currently doing a lot of filler As they're trying to build their Yeah, they're story. building up to the next Yeah, the next so
1: story. Yeah. yeah,
0: but they're trying also not to do Mainly origin stories either yes. You know So it seems like It might be coming out of nowhere But I, to me it's clear what they're doing yeah. It's, you know, and and but after all of this time, when you've already done all of these properties, and you always have to to put all these things together, you're gonna have movies like Eternals, and you're gonna have movies yeah. like like this one where you're just like. Mm,
1: and even Eternals like great. Eternals, I think, it, to me, it felt like a bit of a like. I don't think anyone was asking for it. Like I, I don't. It didn't. I don't really know what it necessarily adds to the overall MCU. I thought, as a general, as a movie on its own, it was entertaining enough like i've watched it i had i didn't hate it like it was it was all right um i think really the yeah eternals and thor were the clearly the two bigger misses of of this kind of generation and even thor like i'm excited to see what happens next for thor with where that movie ends up like so even if the next time we see him is just avengers or something like that i'm still cool it's still going to be cool to see how some of the things that happened in that movie continue forward so like it's not I think it's just one of those misses we we write off as a miss it's like Thor 2 we remember that that movie existed it was fine a lot of people (laughs) (laughs) hate Thor 2
0: a lot more than I do I don't think it's that bad uh definitely not great but it's it gets a lot more hate than I think it deserves just like um the first Captain America movie the first Avenger People yes. say that movie's bad, and I'm just like, "What are and you?" That movie is one hundred
1: percent not bad. It's a bit, a bit <laughs> like the, the the first Thor as well, really good. Like people rate it lower, and I think it's a thing that, that people insist on rating things. And I mean, we're on we're on a podcast where we talk about movies and how good or bad they are. But people right. insist on rating things, and that means that some things have to be towards the bottom, and it doesn't mean that they're horrible. And and even the worst of the MCU. I don't think it has been that bad. Like I would still watch most of those movies and not turn them off if they were on TV. Like even the I Incredible Mar- Hulk. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it in a long time. Okay, I, <laughs> I, I, I won't. I won't say for sure on that one. I don't know. Um, but like it, Iron Man Two again is one that I think is a bit weak. Like the, Iron Man Two. I think was very much a similar thing that they were also maybe doing with some of these more recent ones is they're trying to do a bit too much and set up a bit too much at times. And it as a movie, it doesn't work as well as it does as a step towards the next thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's sometimes a problem that they were dodging pretty well. I think they had some problems with that early on Then they dodged it really well up until Endgame. And I think now because... They're bringing in new characters but also setting things up. They're, they're finding some of those early problems that they had maybe again. Um, but, I don't know, and not everything can be amazing. Not everything can be it's the true. world's greatest yeah. movie. And I, I'd still say that overall when I see a Marvel movie, even if it's a weak one, I don't come out of there being like I'm wasting my money. Like I'm like, oh, that was fun. Typically, yeah. like I'm like that, I was entertained enough and the good ones, like the really good ones, are uh, are worth it. Like they're worth the the odd weak one. Yeah. Like um, I don't mind. Like it's even things like Amazing Spider Man Two is better because No Way Home exists. Like lo- like because because we got No Way Home. Like we wouldn't have got some of those things that came through without Amazing Spider Man Two. So that is true. We all of these things in this universe play a part, and yeah, some are weaker than others, but. <laughs> and- <laughs>
0: I agree with everything that you're saying for the most part. Yes.
1: Speaking about Um, weak movies, should we get on (laughs) Um,
0: Mars Attacks? Yes. Uh, We're also talking about like B movies and cheesy things and blah blah blah. This is a movie that is an homage to all of those things. Like I brought up Ed Wood earlier on, and um, Tim Burton is just like Mars Attacks is just me loving Ed Wood. Here you go. Even though I already made a movie. Ed Wood about it. I had to do more. Like, and that's just what he did.
1: Mars Attacks, uh, when you were, so uh, maybe a peek behind the curtain for how Tracy's show works. She sent out um, some of the movies that she was going to be doing this year and asked who might be interested in talking about them. And I had watched Mars Attacks the day before you said that out. And I was like, yeah, definitely. And I saw Masters of the Universe, so I was excited for that. And I was like, and Master Tanks, like this would be an easy one. I've, I've just watched it. Like I won't even need to watch it again before the podcast. I watched that movie, that was probably like three, four months ago, I don't know. I could remember nothing about that movie <laughs> before I, I had to watch it again because yeah. I could remember nothing about it. And I've watched it again and I could already feel it disappearing from my brain it has so little impact like that's just oh I don't know
0: really I don't know I yeah. remember I was, like watching it I realised I remembered a lot from this movie like a lot I remember a lot
1: of the Martian bits Yeah, I don't remember a lot of the characters and uh, the character bits and the
0: it's more like what? I remembered there was a crap load of celebrities in it than yeah. I remembered what their actual characters were
1: Michael J Fox one of my favorite all-time actors I watched the movie four months ago I forgot Michael J Fox was in the movie
0: (laughs) (laughs) he's only in like a quarter of the movie yeah
1: he he is just weirdly killed pretty quickly
0: (laughs) Um, you actually don't uh, even and apparently like this was his last last movie like not the last uh, thing yeah. he's filmed, like he was on TV and did interviews and all that kind of stuff after. But like yeah. this is his last like movie movie
1: that he did. And in fairness, not knowing the behind the scenes, maybe there was potentially more for him to do initially, and he wasn't able to do it. I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure, and I don't want to, because when he's there, he's great. He's yeah. he's 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 one of the better actors in the movie, I think. But he's just not got a lot to do he disappears pretty quickly yeah but is um, he like
0: a better actor or is it the fact that they were meant to like everybody just hammed it up because there's a lot yeah. of good actors isn't it? like jack nichols is in there oh, yeah. glenn close you got uh oh, and that bedding. Maybe i know? think there's
1: not a lot of good acting i think he like <laughs> i think he was able to pull it off and i think he has the charisma to pull it off and his character was reminiscent of like like, even a bit reminiscent of uh is it Alex from family time yes yeah um like he there were parts of him that we've seen before and I like he was he was just kind of like the jerk media news guy he wasn't as over the top as some of the other characters mm-hmm. and I think maybe that's why I like him a bit better in it so do you like the actors in this movie like did you like I like the actors in this movie in other movies um I mean
0: okay so I Loved this movie when it came out. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was, it did what it was meaning to do give homage to B movies and all this kind of stuff. I thought it was great. And again, I don't hate it. But again, on this watch, I had to pay too much actual attention to it. And I was just like, certain scenes, I was like, oh my God, can we just just keep going?
1: Yeah, I found it so painfully slow. Yeah. Like, I was just like, can we get to the next Martian bit? Because yeah. the Martians are cool. Um, the I, I had some issues getting the copy I was trying to watch to work as well initially. Yeah. So I watched that scene of the cows on fire about twenty <laughs> times trying to get it to work. But uh, but like that stuff, really fun, really cool. Any time that the Martians were there, it was good. My issue was just everyone else in the movie. I found so boring and and i think that's why i don't retain any aspects of this movie so i've watched it a few times over the year and i quite like mars attacks the property like yeah. um because I, I don't know if, how much you're aware of it but it's like based on trading cards yeah the and, tops
0: trading cards that was just yeah. uh it was only it was only put out for a while because it didn't do well and they
1: like got it, rid it of it got, um so i have the the reprints of the entire series of, of yeah. cards—they so reprinted them as this little book—and they talk about it in the book that it was—they um, were basically taken off the shelves. They were too violent, and they weren't. And when you look at them, like they're not like garbage pal kids, which was the other tops trading card or the stickers, I guess in that case, but like the other kind of thing that they were doing where it was gross or whatever, but it's in cheek. Mm-hmm. Whereas that it was just violent. Like, that's just so. It's just like images of people getting burnt up and things like that. Like, which, and a lot of those images are in the movie mm-hmm. as well. Like, a lot of those, there were no giant bugs, which was a later part of the later trading cards. But, <laughs> there, but there were a lot of the other things that you see, like the big robot walker thing and the cows on fire. I feel like there's a trading card for that. Mm-hmm. The dog getting disintegrated. There's that's a trading card. Uh, so, oh, hold on.
0: Okay. The thing about trading cards, trading cards are usually like they have a picture on the front of the back. There's like stats or a story, just something on the back of it to make the image on the front of it make sense. Yes. What is on the back of these cards? Are they stats? Is it like a background story? Like what a is background
1: story. And it, um, It's like, well, I can't show the viewers, but I can describe one. So on, on the back, there's a number. Mm-hmm. And then at each card has a name. So it's got a picture and a name. And then on the back, there's a a number, and then basically that tells you the order to read them in. So it's a it's an overall story that oh. like so it's a continuous story. It's not anything particularly deep. It's basically the story that the movie is in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Uh, I don't think the, them beating them with music is is in the in the cards, but largely it's the story of the movie just told in like. Trading card form, so oh okay. They're quite, they're quite wordy. Like the whole yeah. back is, there's is a, Yeah,
0: there's a lot in there. I find but it he, interesting though. But but see, this what frustrate me about these cards in particular is that if you're missing a card, you're missing part of your story, and you're like, you get to yeah. the next card, and you're just like, wait, what? So what? And especially
1: what is- if you take it off the shelves halfway through collecting them, and you can't you can't get them. You can't uh, get them anymore. Here's card number three. It's just called attacking an army base. So they're not they're not clever or funny like garbage pail kids are, um, and the picture is literally just a whole bunch of soldiers on fire, oh. um, be and being disintegrated. There's some skeletons that, like it's just oh like, my god, quite violent. <laughs> that you, can see, you can see why it didn't work um, as as a card line, and so it's become quite valuable now because it was one of those card lines that I guess they probably chucked a lot of the a lot of the leftover cards away. Yeah. It's so much so, like, I quite like Mars Attacks. I enjoy the cards for what they are, and I just enjoy that that exists and that they were marketing these, not that I think we should market violence to children, but that they were marketing these, like, horribly violent cards because they are, there's some really horribly violent ones. And so I think maybe one of the worst ones is called Destroying a Dog. Um, oh. So it's... It's there's a trading card, uh, number 36, Destroying a Dog. And recently the toy company Super 7 released some Mars Attacks uh, action figures. Yeah. And they released Destroying a Dog as an action figure. So uh, I've got it right here for some show and tell. And again, unfortunately I can't show it to the people at home, but I can describe it. It's the trading card, which is a um, Martian blasting a hole in a dog. The dog looks shocked. The dog has a, a shocked impression on his face while assumingly the owner, a young boy, runs screaming towards the Martian. Um, and then the toy comes with an action figure of the Martian himself, but also a dog with a hole in it. Oh,
0: my God. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: So this was, this was what Mars Attacks, I guess, was yeah. prior to the, to the movie. Oh um,
0: so i just want to say one of my few notes for this movie is they killed the dog because yeah. when they break break into the president's suite the dog barks and they shoot the dog i guess it's yeah. directly from the cards like
1: yeah yeah it is it's straight <laughs> i think there was straight up an homage to the cards and i think so many of those those kind of sequences are straight <laughs> from the trading cards uh, I'm not. I should. I was planning to have a look back through before we talked. Uh, I didn't have time. I was wanted to see if the lady in disguise that like the disguise of the lady was in there or not because I don't remember that. That feels to me like maybe that's a Tim Burton Type, thing. Yeah,
0: that he but, threw in there.
1: Yeah, but overall, like so much of it, after reading the book and looking through the trading cards and then watching the movie, so many of the actual kind of set piece bits are straight from. The cards which i think is really cool i think in the movie they're far less graphic um they've done it in a more cheese kind of cheesy way
0: yeah i think i think the like if they took it seriously it could have been very like violent and gross way um, too violent I think, yeah the, but the, it, it was the the tongue and cheekiness and the b-movie quality and the overacting made it fine yeah like I mean, not like like the part where um, they see the brother on TV get vaporized and the family yes. fully is just like in shock. I was just like, that's yeah. horrible. Like, you don't like yeah. the character. they are like, he deserves, deserves it. it. <laughs> yeah. That, he,
1: that's the weirdest I, Jack Black role I've ever seen. Like, it's so out of character for him. Oh. So out
0: of character, yeah. It was just like, there's a couple of things in there that you're just like, what is going
1: yeah. on? So, but- most of the time it's like red skeleton, green skeleton. Like that's largely what happens when people get hit; they get yeah. turned into the skeletons. Um, the one for me was when um, she bites off the guy's thumb and then bits it into the, the, the fish, fish tank. tank. Because that was the only time it felt like real violence. In, in to me, in the whole movie, like every other time it was like goofy guns and blasters and and fun stuff like that, and then out of the blue she bites this guy's finger off
0: yeah it was like very visceral and very intense yeah 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 i looked up who played her and it's this woman named lisa marie and i didn't realize it but she's in like all of the tim burton movies which i thought was oh,
1: really kind of crazy um i didn't recognize her and i know the name lisa marie even i think but i i couldn't say what else from
0: yeah she um She's like in Sleepy Hollow. She plays like, um, does she play Crane's mom? I think she plays Ichabod Crane's mom. Um, in Edward
1: Scissorhands. I think she might be in Edward Scissorhands. Actually, she's not in
0: Edward Scissorhands. Oh, no. I'm a she's scissor- in Ed Wood. She's in Mars Attacks. She's in Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, she's she's um, Crane's mom. You know the one that ends up dying in the uh, in the Iron Maiden.
1: Sort of. It's been a very long time since I saw that movie. Well, I, I, I watch Sleepy Man. Hollow
0: pretty regularly, actually.
1: Oh cool. I think it was <laughs> I love it. I liked it, but I don't I can't remember the last time I saw it. Yeah.
0: Uh she was in his planet of the apes. What else was she in? I think that was it.
1: And that's pretty common well, that's for like him. Half of them, yeah. Actor-y. he does reuse actors quite a lot. So yeah,
0: but she's got like a very like structural face that's works with this kind of like exaggerated makeup to make you look kind of like creepy. In, so she works
1: really well. Bro, she was really good. Yeah. So sort of otherworldly. Uh yeah. like she, she and the way she moves. Like I think that's one of the things that she does really well. And I think generally that's what I think this movie does really well is all of that kind of larger than life sort of alien stuff. The Stuff for me that it didn't do so well is try to make you care about any of the other characters pretty much in the movie. Like
0: yeah.
1: there's the guy. So also weirdly Jack Nicholson plays two characters. He does. Um, which I didn't really realise the first time. So he plays the president, which I think he does a pretty good job of. And uh, I think he's actually he's one of the better characters in the movie. And then he plays Tiger King. As well, <laughs> um, for no reason, just, you're like, All right, just, like this casino guy, and who has nothing to do with the main story, like his other characters around him do, but he's just like, it's all about him building this hotel that just gets immediately destroyed. Yeah. Um, and there's like bits where he's trying to get the I, I can't think what the guy's name is, but the boxer who works at the casino, he's yeah, trying he's get, played
0: by um Jim Brown, it's Byron Williams.
1: Yeah. Byron. Yeah, he was—he's good as well. Like, I, I really quite like him. Uh, but he's trying to like get him to like hurt a guy that owes him money, and it just doesn't go anywhere. Like, yeah. it doesn't resolve in the movie. Even little things like that are a bit unclear. Like, it, I was under the impression that he that Byron and his wife had got a divorce, mm-hmm. but but it doesn't seem like that. Then at the end, like, well,
0: he said like going, throughout the movie, he says things were getting like they got a divorce she moved yeah. with her kids um and they were you know things were going good and he's trying to get back together with him that's why she's uh-huh. going he was pl- like his whole thing was i'm planning to fly out tomorrow
1: that's to come right. See yeah. you
0: And then the This attack. is how
1: quickly, at <laughs> least, my memory in this movie because <laughs> I watched it and I wrote notes. I had like was trying to keep track of things even, and I'm still struggling to retain bits of it. But I, I liked him, like, but just so much of his story didn't go anywhere. Um, I and I liked his wife, but she didn't get really much to do. Sam Greer, kids. yeah,
0: and she's an amazing yeah. actress.
1: Yeah, yeah. she didn't get much to do though, apart from yell at her kids, which in that fun scene when she stops the bus. The bus. Like, yeah. that, <laughs> fun scene and she set up like that her kids like the video games and then there's the cool stuff later where they're using the guns mm-hmm. like they mm-hmm. were those characters were pretty good um I, I mean no one's really bad it's just nothing amounts to anything i think well, that's my problem well, but the i think the that's time.
0: that's the problem when you have a movie that has so many characters in it right yeah and apparently like they cut characters like it's supposed to be much many more characters Oh really? Games. yeah um
1: but like, they they
0: cut down the amount of people that were going to be in there. You know, I, I feel like like um, Tim Burton just called all his friends. He's like, "Hey, want to be a movie?" And they're like, "Okay," yeah, yeah. and they showed up and they they did their thing and they went home. Like that's just what happened. It that's definitely what it has feels like.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Even like Jack Nicholson's Tiger King character, um, he's just like. It feels like Jack Nicholson just wanted to do that, and he wanted to. He wanted Jack Nicholson to be the president. He said, "Yeah, if you be the president, you you can also do this weird guy that you want to do." Exactly, um, and because he he amounts to nothing, and like they spend so much time on him, like he comes back multiple times in the movie, and then you've got a character like Tom Jones who actually ends up being kind of an important part of the movie. Who's introduced in the last 30 minutes? Yeah. Like,
0: I, I was watching the movie. I'm like, isn't Tom Jones in this
1: movie? How come Tom Jones hasn't shown up yet? Finale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although in my memory, and again, this is how quickly it seems to lose leave my mind, Tom Jones's music was what killed the aliens. Like, <laughs> and and I think maybe that would have been better than yes. what <laughs> like, like he they they showed up
0: to be. kill him and then all of a sudden, like, oh done. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. I think that would have been funnier and Incorporated him more into the movie, rather it just being that that random old lady's record. Yeah, um, well, it's it's
0: the it's the the gilding, right? It's the the resonance yes. of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and even the old lady and her and the boy that works at the donut shop, like their story is kind of quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, his horrible family, and he's got one nice member of his family that he kind of relates to. Yeah, um, yeah. like even that is nice. But none of it is developed in any way. Like, none of it goes anywhere, really. None of it.
0: Well, even like Natalie Portman's character, like, she's the first daughter or whatever. And yes. then you see her running, she gets left behind, and then you don't see her for a long time. And then yeah. it's the end of the movie, and she's presenting she's an award. President. And you're yeah, like, she's the
1: president now. <laughs> but
0: how is she the president? This is my question.
1: <laughs> That's how it works. I guess everyone else got destroyed except for her. Um, but.
0: I still don't yeah. think that's
1: how it works. <laughs> that's one thing. When this movie came out, I had... I think that was, like, I had a real crush on Nellie Portman in this movie the first time that I saw it. So I think that was one thing that it had going for it um, that, to me, as a kid... I think maybe part of my problem with it as a kid is I was... Around this time, I was, like, into things like X-Files. and I, I So things like this and Men in Black just didn't land for me. I feel like they weren't taking aliens seriously enough. No,
0: I think, <laughs> no, for me... I love the X-Files and and I think I've said this before and I know I talk about Star Trek a lot but X-Files is my favorite show like I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. say it um, a but, of, uh, yeah yeah and so like I don't know like anything supernatural or weird and stuff as long as it wasn't making fun of something like the X-Files I was still fine with. So like yeah. I love men in black. Like I love I love the first movie and the third movie. The second movie is garbage, but <laughs> you know, um, and also international. <laughs>
1: uh, I wanted I wanted a men in black movie that in like and this movie probably wouldn't have been good. And I don't think anyone except me wanted it, but I wanted like a men in black movie that explored the real life phenomenon of the men in black and like that urban legend. And and so when it was like a comedy kind of thing, it just didn't And independence day, another one where just all to me. It felt like they weren't taking that stuff seriously enough. Mm -hmm. And that was very much a product of being like a teen boy who probably took myself a bit too seriously. (laughs) (laughs) I was like hugely into paranormal stuff. Um, it turned me off some of those movies. But that said, Mars Attacks, while it wasn't one of my favorites, I felt like it knew what it was. It wasn't in that middle ground. It was definitely a silly movie. And I so I I liked that one a bit more, I think, than yeah. some of those ones around that time.
0: I mean, I think this one is more along the lines of like plan nine from outer space than yeah, men in black, you know, like they're not really. Trying to make fun of it, but they are no. feeding into this like paranoia that aliens are going to try to take over the world. Like that's Definitely. that's just it. Um, I think what
1: I like about it is the same things I like about Gremlins. Like you've got these really nice, cool creatures, and we get to see them in a range of environments doing fun and interesting things. And- so it's not
0: about the story. It's just like you like creatures, and they they're doing stuff. Yeah,
1: I mean Gremlins, I think, has a decent story too, which which is I think where this is where this differs. But what I like about Mars Attacks, like I love you've got Mars, Martians in their undies hanging out in, in <laughs> yeah, a spaceship. spaceship yeah. When they have to yeah. put their uniforms on, they're on a conveyor belt and this thing just sticks their their like uniforms on. Like I love all of that stuff. I love mm-hmm. them blowing up doves. I love them doing weird things and kidnapping people and, and all of that sort of thing. I just didn't really care for much of the character stuff On its own, I think it was okay. Like it wasn't badly done or anything like that. I just don't think it added very much to the movie. But Uh, I
0: think I think this movie does the same thing that a lot of um, like disaster or alien attack movie does. Like, so you set Independence Day, or if you're talking about like um, Deep Impact or something, where it picks a bunch of people and it's like this is what's happening in the world. Before yeah. disaster happens Right? So it's always like There's always a politician of some sort yeah. um, Media of some sort And a bunch of like random individuals Around yeah. them That sort of connects to them Somehow outside of just the,
1: the thing they're happening They're right. our window into what's happening Right? Like yeah. our, From a range of point of views This is what's happening yeah. But I guess I, those people also then Have some sort of effect on the story in the end, I feel like. Like, Independence Day, um, it's not one of my favourite movies, but, like, the characters that they choose, they choose a, a guy from the Air Force who then goes on to have some some impact. They choose, like, the science guy that first discovers it that goes on to have some impact going forward. Like, the president, ha- he's doing... Th- he actually is actively doing a bit more to progress the story, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like anyone much progresses the story except for the donut kid
0: yeah there's the donut kid well and there's of course the the president you know like because he has to like meet the aliens and all that kind of stuff um then you have but uh... what
1: was gonna happen happens anyway that's all of the things that the and and maybe maybe this is a choice and maybe it's a uh a message about the nihilism and, and like, there's there's just no point going up against these aliens. We're never going to win. But everything that every human character does, except for Donut Kid and his grandma, largely fails. And and then the things that were going to happen happen anyway. Anyways, yeah, yeah. I and I guess that's where. So then I'm just like, well, what's the point of so many of these characters? Like, And and especially, like, some of them are fun and some of them are interesting and some of them it's fun to watch die. Like, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I just don't think that most of them contribute very much. They don't do much of the heavy lifting of the story of the movie.
0: Yeah, but I think that's why all of them die, though. Like yeah. I, th- I think, you know, Tom Jones and his his plane of three people—they live and come out in like a desert somewhere, fine. But we don't spend that much time with with that ending. Um, yeah. And then you got the you know the president's daughter and the kid with his grandma—they get an award for saving yeah. the day. Um, who else? Is- and the the boxer guy and his wife. That's yeah. it. Compared to like the the eight hundred and forty five other characters, they all those guys die. And then you're yeah, off with, I like, get, a type
1: eight. <laughs> true. And, and maybe part of it is that some of the deaths, I think, aren't interesting enough. Like, we get what the general guy, who's not really a huge character, but he gets shrunk and then stepped on. Yeah. Like, that to me is a far more interesting death. Or we get, like, um, Sarah Jessica Parker's character whose head gets taken off and put on a dog. Like, that stuff is interesting and, like, uh, and even her stuff like with um, Pierce Brosnan I think is good where they're the two heads and they're on the <laughs> ship like that stuff's good because to me it feels at least it feels like it's if it's not pushing the story forward it's interesting whereas I feel like like I don't even remember how the president died like I remember like what Oh, did he actually- to
0: shake the hand and the hand comes off and crawls on his back and sticks through his body oh okay
1: actually that one is good okay that to be fair, that one was good, but <laughs> I feel like some of them, like Michael J. Fox, for example, like he's just killed kind of, yeah. a, unceremoniously you know, off screen. Yeah, like, like yeah. I feel like if you're gonna go that way, it should be really over the top, and a bit more extreme or a bit more silly or a bit more like Final Destination type of stuff where you've got where the where the deaths are really elaborate. Whereas I feel like some of them are just a bit underwhelming, mm-hmm. and and I think. A lot of the human character stuff that maybe describes it well for me is just a bit underwhelming in comparison to the really crazy Martian stuff, which is really fun. And I really like that side of the movie.
0: Yeah, I I guess to a lot of these characters, you're well, maybe it has to do the fact that they're all celebrities and people that you recognize. You don't expect them to die. But to me, you know, you've met the characters, but you have no connection to the characters. So when they die, you're just like, oh, you're dead.
1: I think so. I think that's totally right. None of the we don't get to know them well enough. Like if Byron had died, I think that would have actually been more impactful because he's one of the only characters whose backstory is in any way explored. Like um, I, I mean, I missed some of it, obviously. With the I was thought his wife had got divorced and that, but even with him, like he's tr- he talks about he's trying to get things back on track, and he talks about like as much as I think the scene was kind of pointless, he talks about the fact that. Like he's not gonna be a a tough man for the like going and breaking people's knees and stuff for the for the guy that runs the casino. Like he's he's this kind of moral man, and then at the end he's he like sacrifices himself to say like to go and save these guys in a in a fist fight, which is like a really fun scene, like where he's boxing all of the Martians. Like again, like that was really fun, and that would have been a really awesome death. But then he didn't die. <laughs> Which
0: makes no sense because from what yeah. you see, you know, he doesn't have the music playing and yeah. he's on the ground. So how did he end up in in Washington, in Washington, yeah. D.C.? Like, how did he end up over there
1: all of a sudden? And it's just like he, he's one of the people that I think his death did feel a bit better. And then, you, and then they bring him back. And so you lost that. Like, almost it made his character a bit more boring as a result of him surviving to the end. And it made that story with his wife and stuff a bit more pointless as well because it was resolved. Whereas I feel like her, them, and maybe this is a bit too serious for this movie, (laughs) but then having to move forward without their dad, who they'd lost, but who was also a hero in this battle against the Martians. Like, I think that would have been a bit more interesting and giving her a bit more to do as well. But yeah, because she was just... She and she's great, but she doesn't have anything to do in the movie. Like just and and I think that's and I wanna like the movie because I like Mars Attacks and I like the idea of Mars Attacks, but I think maybe I don't like Mars Attacks that much. I don't know.
0: I, I think I definitely didn't get as much joy out of it as I have before, but there are definitely scenes in this movie that I still really enjoyed.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think it's fit. Yeah, me too. Yeah,
0: like there's. Uh, I know it's real. It's such a stupid scene, but you were mentioning the part where such so a Parker on the her head on the Chihuahua's body. Yeah, and she's talking to Pierce Brosnan's head that's just like hanging there, um, and they're flirting with each other. And the thing is, it's like they're talking whatever, but the the Chihuahua body is emoting in dog language what his yes. head is feeling, and for some reason. I love that scene,
1: where she like
0: her the tail's going and the feet are going and you're like,: going And it doesn't backwards. quite
1: match 100 percent either. <laughs> like, it's not quite fluid enough that it looks 100 percent good, but that actually adds to that the, the comedy scene. of yeah. the: yeah. No, I agree. And I think, I think that's the thing. There are a lot of little vignettes that I enjoy within the movie, but I find it a hard watch as a movie like i'd almost rather just go and watch highlights of mars attacks on youtube like like, i think i can get much joy from that
0: yeah like it's i find it's the kind of movie like i think both of these movies are this where it's you're cleaning or you're cooking or you're working on a project or something and it's on in the background that's what it needs to be because if you pay too much attention to it you're just like what what is going on
1: I think that's a perfect description. I don't think I could describe it better. I I can 100% see myself watching it while I'm writing or doing something like that.
0: Yes. Yeah. Like, and I, and I think that's the problem. I think for many years, if I have put Masters of the Universe on, it was, I got stuff to do. I need sounds. There you go. And then Pretty I turned... Much. I turn around when Skeletor was like, Whoa, you know, being all mean and stuff and turn back around like, and, you know, keep doing what I was doing. Or like when Mars attacks come on, I was like, oh, I like this part. Turn around, watch it, turn back around, keep doing whatever I was doing. And that is more than enough.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, we, we didn't talk about this with Bustle of the Universe. end credits scene as well. Like after the credits where, did you watch it?
0: Oh, where he comes back out and he starts laughing. Yeah, oh, like out and he's like, got like a
1: smile <laughs> on his face. <laughs> I love that bit when I was a kid. I, I must not have seen it. I don't think, like, because we were watching this videotape, I feel like one day we just left the credits playing in the background and we discovered it. And from then on, you always had to watch Masters of the Universe till the end You've of the game. got watch it all
0: the Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not like now where you're used to be like, no, there has to be an end credit sequence. You got to check it out. Yeah. This is back in the day. Credits start, turn off. That was automatic. Like, that was just it's- it.
1: If yeah. I see an action film now at the cinema, I'm Googling in the credits, is there an in-credits scene before I leave?
0: So- I do too. And it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what it is at all, whether it's Marvel or DC yeah. or just some random dude beating up some other dude. Got to look it up just in yeah. case because you don't want to miss any of it.
1: If it's Marvel, I'm staying regardless because I, yes. I, I just know it'll be there at this yeah. point. But any other movie like Batman or whatever. Uh, at the end of it, i uh, you know, just got to double check. Now nah, I'm good. I can leave <laughs> before yeah. the end of the credits.
0: I still can't believe people like credits start, they get up and walk out. I'm like, how do you yeah. not know this now?
1: It's yeah. been like especially 12 years.
0: What is, what is wrong yeah. with you?
1: Yeah. it's Especially all people that will watch the mid-credits scene. So they're kind of savvy, but then they leave before the end credits one. It's like, you know, there's going to be another one, right? Like, <laughs> are they living life having never... Like seeing Thanos go and pick up a bullet or having never seen Nick Fury come and meet Tony Stark—like, do they not know that these things happened in the background?
0: <laughs> the worst part is, is that on Netflix, how they do it is yes, that
1: they, like, they
0: they <laughs> they cut it so that it's it's like they're beside each other, so you don't have to sit through all of the credits to get like the end credit sequence. And when I found that, out, I was just like, "Wait, what? This is crazy!
1: You can't do this." Disney Plus, you could always pick like an episode of Ms. Marvel or something that will have an end credits scene because it doesn't shrink after the, there's like the first credits and then there's the main credits. And if it doesn't shrink after the, after the first credits, there's going to be something hidden there.
0: (laughs) Well, that's what I like with all of the Marvel TV shows. I scan the credits to see if I have to sit and wait for it or not. And then if I'm like scan, 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 nothing. Okay. Turn off. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah yeah i'm the same <laughs> i mean I'm,
0: I'm happy for all the creators I'm i'm good that you make us watch your names go by and stuff but i've already spent two and a half hours with you i gotta go <laughs> i need to go so,
1: there's a guy in a, one of the toy communities online that i'm a part of that worked on thor Rag uh sorry thor love and thunder okay and so i was like cool i going to try to see his name there's so many names you can't even see them, even <laughs> if you wanted to. So you you may be watching the credit, but you can't absorb any of it because yeah. there's there's like four billion names there.
0: Well, one thing me and my friends started doing during the credits was so especially when you get to like the CGI people and all that kind of stuff and like locations people and things, it's just little literal walls of names.
1: Right? Yes, and that's what he was in.
0: And it was so frustrating. But the thing that we noticed is that some of them were alphabetical order by people's first names. Some of them are ah. alphabetical order by people's last names. And I'm like, you guys need to pick one.
1: This is not acceptable. Oh, so so they're not all the same within the same credits. No. Oh, that's yeah. That's that makes me want to bother. And then
0: some of them were, were like, it's probably obvious that like, because so it's you know, Marvel puts it out, but then you have, like, a VFX company who does this, and a yeah. different company does this, and blah, blah, blah. So they're probably just sending them names, and just dropping yes. them in there however they did it, because even some of them weren't in any kind of order. I guess maybe they were, like, hierarchy order or something. Uh,
1: but, you're, you're, you're probably right. Like, they yeah. just copy and paste them from the email, and straight like, into the credits. They're and, like, look, yeah. this is what
0: you sent me, this is what we put in. Get over it. Yeah, And we change the font.
1: <laughs> it's always really interesting, because, like, every Marvel movie talks about, like, Credit Screen Australia, even though very few of them are like filmed here or anything, because it's the same thing like some visual effects house here worked on them in some capacity. Yeah. Same thing with um, Canada.
0: Yeah, Ontario <laughs> Creates is on every single one of them because yeah. some F- VFX plays in Toronto and in Vancouver worked on something. You're like, I right. mean,
1: before actually was for Australia. Um, it's like one of the only ones. But um, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess Buzz Attacks, don't think that had an end credit scene though. I, I I turned it off. I, I did not check as, as soon as the credits started. I was like, okay, I've watched this twice in four months now, and I'm <laughs> you're like uh, that's
0: more than enough. I'm good. Yeah, I'm
1: gonna go. I'm gonna go and just immediately start forgetting this movie again. <laughs> and, uh, I had no, I had fun with it, and I I watched it like in an hour and a half break while my son was having a nap, kind of thing. So it wasn't like it wasn't the ideal movie experience, and I'll acknowledge that too because I think. I was like watching it down the other end of the house so I don't wake him up on the smaller TV. I didn't have popcorn. It wasn't like, which I think is what you kind of need for this movie, and maybe a few drinks. I think yeah. some of them, watching it with friends, I think all of those things would make that movie a better experience. Um, even it's perfect because you can chat over the boring bits and then just exactly. <laughs> watch the fun bits. So I think it, like, it's, to me, it's not a terrible movie. It's a movie that I almost want to enjoy more than maybe I actually do enjoy it. It's almost the opposite of Master of the Universe, which I enjoy in spite of it. Uh, Mars Attacks, I want to enjoy because I like the property and I like the I like the idea of it and I like the premise of it and I like that they made this B-movie with, but while also spending quite a bit of money on special effects. And yeah, and I even,
0: like, like the director and the actors that are in there, yeah. you, you expect you know and like the production quality is really nice i like the fact that they kept all of the color you know what i mean like in in masters of the universe i I finally do this with like lots of like superheroes and comic book things and whatever um they drain all the colors out of everything because they're like everything has to be like black and sleek or gray and blah 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 um but this they're just like no we're keeping all them greens and purples and shiny things or putting even like the regular people in like you know like Glenn Close she's yeah she's the the first lady and stuff but everything she's wearing is like bright colors like orange and uh, blues and greens and all that kind of stuff and they've just put everything everything is just so colorful it's like very saturated looking
1: which is really I think quite a point of difference from a lot of Tim Burton's movies which are visually interesting and and do pop but they're often blacks and whites and stripes and spots yeah. And, and those kinds of things, whereas these are big primary colors and there's nothing really black and white in this movie. Like, everything is, color- like I say, everything is colorful.
0: Yes. Yes, it really is. Yeah. I think the only other movie of his that I think is super colorful is um, Big Fish. I think that one's yes. super colorful. Yeah. Yes.
1: And actually, I'm just looking at some of the Mars attacks stuff, but it's actually maybe not that true to the original because a lot of the colours in like if we, like I'm just looking at the Mars attack stuff that I have here, is actually quite muted. Like it it's is? A, oh, they got, went
0: the opposite, actually. Yeah, it's
1: got in it a more realistic kind of uh, style, uh, which I think, I think works 100% better in the movie, though, because I think if you went that realistic muted style in this, it would be something else. It would be a violent kind of... R-rated, <laughs> like it wouldn't yeah. the, the colour and the goofiness is what sort of allows you to blow people up constantly yeah. and not not make a movie that's not made for anyone like This, that is, isn't this is the kind
0: of thing that I, I like, you'd think Ridley Scott would do if it, if it was that dark of like colours and stuff, you're like, no he's yeah. coming in, he's making a serious film about this alien invasion people are gonna die this is what's like happening
1: I, I think like my son has watched Ghostbusters. It's two and a half. Uh, he does like monsters and scary things. I'm not I'm not forcing these things on him. These are things that he's really wanting to watch. And I watch them with him to make sure he's safe. So I don't want it. Nobody called child protection. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he has. He's watched things like Ghostbusters. Uh, we watched some of Jurassic Park because he's into dinosaurs. Although some of that was a bit scary. So we don't watch a lot of those. Mars Attacks, despite the fact that it's probably one of the more violent movies that I've watched recently in terms of just, like, deaths and the amount of them, I wouldn't really have an issue if he saw this movie because it's all... The way it's played, it doesn't feel real anyway. Like, um, I'm not intending to show it to him or anything, but if he was to come across this movie or he saw me watching it, I wouldn't be worried that he saw it outside of maybe the lady biting the thumb off. Like, everything else to me is so... Silly and over the top, that and like I say, colorful. It's not realistic, and I think that's a good choice for this movie. I think, yeah, I think that was one of the the choices that I really agree with (laughs) in this movie.
0: So I'm gonna be nitpicky about one thing that really frustrated me about this, right? Which was the scientist guy who's not Pierce Brosnan, the other dude who came up with like the translator machine, Uh, yes,
1: or whatever. He's probably and like a European country or something. He's still like an accent. Ex-
0: something. Ex- I don't, I wasn't paying that much attention to him. Um, but because as soon as the translator came out, my question is, how did they come up with translations for? Because yes. usually what happens is you hear a sample of a language, then you understand certain words. So like you, you figure out how to interpret certain words or tell a person like, you know, this word means this thing. And like, you you, you tell it to each other. So then you can start extrapolating sounds, meaning certain sounds and stuff. And then you work out, you know, translating the language together. That's usually how it works, right? Whereas this guy was like, aliens come, one message comes across this thing. You have no idea what he says. And they're like, oh, we have a translation machine. And I was like, what? I mean, all I know- I, all- I- I know Arrival hadn't come out yet and stuff, but come on.
1: Yeah. Come on. I actually don't think you're being that nitpicky with this, and I actually totally agree. I think the problem with it is, is there's a few things. So one, he clearly hasn't translated anything because the machine's doing the work, because he can adjust the machine and it changes the translations. So it's not like he's he, he definitely hasn't done what you've described, which is to, like, analyze their language. Um, it seems to be a magic machine that just works. And I think that works in a B-movie type situation maybe normally, but I don't think it works here because they actually play the world that these people live in pretty straight. Like, there's no, I can't think of any other examples from this movie where the world itself is fantastic or unbelievable. Only the Martians are fantastic and unbelievable. The humans are silly and over the top, but everything that they do are things that people could do. Like they yes. fly planes, they use guns that exist. They, all the things that the humans do and try, make sense and are realistic. And then you've got a guy with a magic translation machine.
0: Yeah, and and that, I, maybe that's why I picked up on it like so yeah. readily because I was just like, this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. So I think fit it's, it's a fair world.
1: It, I. I think I think that's a pretty fair criticism because I don't like it doesn't fit the world that they built. It, it's one of, maybe one of the only things that I can think of that really doesn't feel like it fits within that universe, and it just seems to be a means to an end. Like it's yeah. just like we need to we need to translate them, although they don't because they never translate them properly anyway, and there's no reason that like they couldn't have done it another way like they couldn't well, have done it visually or like
0: or something yes well and, yeah. and this is the problem because even if the thing doesn't translate correctly where is it getting whatever words is coming it, out of exactly. it from right because yeah. yeah it's you know like there's a the whole joke later in the movie where the alien is like killing people and he's walking around with the translation machine he's like we come in peace don't run and you're just like wait how is it actually yeah. coming up with these words that it's saying in general it's
1: like, it's like he built a machine that when birds sing words come out of it and those words actually are what the birds are trying to communicate but there's no way to do that unless you like analyze birds for like years and years and exactly. try and actually think about like what they're communicating and yeah no I th- and i think it really stands out and it's just yeah it's a weird choice and i feel like they could have done differently like they already are doing the signs with, like, the hand circles. Like, they're already going in that other way, which I think is more interesting and actually more likely to kind of sell the idea that the dove was a miscommunication. Like, if you don't have the, the translations, I think actually maybe it makes the story better in some yeah. ways, a bit more interesting. The, the only time that I think the translation machine makes itself worthwhile is when all of the aliens are, like, killing people and they're going... We come in peace. We come in peace. We come in peace, <laughs> and they're just like murdering people. I think that's the only time that the translation machine is is reasonable. And maybe the Martians could have had a translation machine, and I think that would have been totally okay. Yes, like yes. I would have accepted that because yes. everything else they do is fantastic anyway. Everything they have is fantastic, mm-hmm. so it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, yeah, they could
0: it's, come up with whatever they wanted to. It does. Yeah, most ridiculous we thing. We would have bought it. Yes.
1: And then you could still have the "we come in peace" joke. Like you could have still done all of the things that you did, but it would have made more sense. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I, so. I, I think it's a. I think it's a nit that was ready to be picked. I think. <laughs> I don't <was, yeah. laughs>
0: uh, That was the one thing that I spent like so much time just thinking about, and then of course it came up to. Uh, like, you know, translations in, like, Star Trek and stuff, because the thing about, like, the Star Trek translation that always drives me crazy is that you'll have somebody saying, like, just a regular phrase, like, you'll have, like, a Klingon something, and you will be like, get away from me, you stupid patak. And you're like, patak is a Klingon word. How come it didn't just translate, you know, you piece of shit? Like, how come it didn't translate that part? Yeah. Or, like, if I'm speaking English, you know, if I say um You know, I would like my pie a la mode. Will it actually come out? I would like my pie in the fashion. Like, is is it actually like switching it out from? You know, yeah. you know, like how is it picking what to switch out and what not to switch out? Is is always the thing that drove me nuts.
1: They they translated everything except for swears. <laughs> they always there were there was a lot of fracks and uh, those kinds of things. And I mean, I guess that's an easy. It's a thing where you spend the disbelief because you're like, they're the kid, they have swearing in a TV show that they probably otherwise wouldn't be allowed to have swearing in. Yeah. But um, but yeah, there, I think there are a lot of problems with that idea of translations, it, especially when you don't have rules. Like yeah. you don't you don't have specific rules. And I think that's like where something like Arrival was really interesting is because like we actually saw what maybe this might well, at least it felt like. I don't know how accurate some of those things are, but it felt like to me what that would really look like. Yeah. Like, like it's not a, it's not cool. an
0: easy process to translate no. something completely new. Like, like most, what is it the the Tower of Bab- Babel or whatever is the, yeah. the the is the thing that helped people translate things when they started like cultural started to meet each other. Was that what yes. it was?
1: Right. I think so. I, I think so. I'm not 100 sure. The reason I think and it's the, right is and the Rosetta Stone Babel, is the thing.
0: Because Babel
1: that- fish or Babel, Babel, like the Tower of Babel or Babel, Babel fish is what they used to translate in um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the, the Galaxy. Galaxy, yes. So I, I think that's was, probably right.
0: Oh, was the Tower of Babel where all of the cultures got together and they used the Rosetta Stone to because like the Rosetta Stone was like the key to the languages.
1: Like, I, you know I, what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that you're far more educated <laughs> on this than me. Now, gonna, now I got something
0: else to look at. Yes,
1: you're 100% right. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I'm sure it must be related to language because we had the babble fish in Hitchhiker's uh, in, in Guide to the yeah. Galaxy, yeah. which seems like that hasn't come from nowhere. And now I'm even, when I'm saying it, and not even sure that I'm pronouncing it right, but we use the term babble to kind of. Explain language that we don't understand, like with kids, uh, yeah. like they're babbling. Um, so I'm thinking that it's related to language. It it's ma-
0: related to language in some way. We're just gonna go yeah. with it. Yes.
1: Yeah. We've, I- if not, it's an easy mistake to make because there are so many connections. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> but it, but it's true. Like if you if you come to a language that you have absolutely no connection with, you know, how do you translate it? And yes, and I think in arrival, uh, I think it's a painstaking process to to get there yes um but also i think the end of arrival where it turns into time travel spoiler alert is stupid and it makes me angry
1: <laughs>
0: but anyways
1: i've i, I, at least, I okay. saw it the movie and i really enjoyed it but i actually struggle to remember the ending like that's not something that and I think this is the thing with me for a lot of movies is I watch movies and aspects of them really stand out to me and are really memorable. But I can often watch a movie that I've seen a lot of times and and forget stuff really, really quickly. Like, I don't know if I only watch them fairly surface level or maybe I just have a bad memory. I don't know. It's the same with books. Like, I could read a book and I could read the same book six months later and barely remember it. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't remember Arrival that well. I, I remember the the language stuff that you were talking about quite well, and I don't remember the ending because when you were talking about tra- time travel, I was like, "Isn't that Interstellar?" But that was just another movie that kind That's of did just that.
0: another, another movie,
1: yeah. <laughs> Which Bill like Masters of the Universe just ended with a time travel story
0: <laughs> for no reason. You're like, it
1: okay. <laughs>
0: But is not interstellar more about traveling through a wormhole than time travel? Yeah, no, interstellar it's
1: time fine. travel and time I think is actually pretty key to that movie. It's yes. not. It's not a thrown-in thing in the last five minutes. Of which is movie. good.
0: Which is yeah. good.
1: And I think so. even like there are certain ones that do it where it's like oh, more like an implant that you get, and it's like there's a library of languages that are included in that implant because it's like like Guardians of the Galaxy. So like. They, they can understand each other, but they can't understand Groot. Uh, like only people that speak Groot's language can understand Groot because his language isn't in that kind of um, database of languages that they have. So I, I like that as an idea so that there are like common languages could be in some sort of computer. And so we could use that. Like if, if we say on earth, maybe a similar kind of thing, like we, maybe we've got Mandarin and we've got English and we've got Italian and, we know those languages really well and someone's, like, put all of those into some sort of computer and we it's tidy and we can have that in our brain and it does the translations for us because that's not so different to, like, what our phones can already do. do. And I think that's really cool. And then there are some, like, lesser-known languages, like, so maybe there's, I don't know, some Indigenous dialects and things like that, which are maybe more relative to, like, a Groots language that aren't well-known and they aren't included in that kind of database of languages and so i think if you do something like that like i think that one kind of works it has its own sort of rules that work and kind of make sense within the universe but yeah translations a tricky it's a tricky thing to do well
0: yes it is uh especially when it's being represented in a way where you you see the character speaking your language like they're speaking english where you yes. know they're not actually speaking English, yes. and then at a certain point it breaks down, and you're like, "Wait, so what? So what does another person hear? Actually, it's not their voice; it's a computer voice. How yeah. are they hearing this voice? Because, like, um, again, I'm going to bring back my- to Star Trek again. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. But I'm sorry. there was a episode of Discovery, which don't watch Discovery; it's fine. But the first season has some interesting things in it, and there's a scene where was it first season or second season? Uh, but the universal translator shut down on their bridge. Like it shut down. Yeah, and then cool. everybody started. The- yeah. And everybody started talking and like one person was speaking French and one person was speaking some alien language another person was speaking some alien language and Japanese and French or whatever. Everybody was speaking something different and they couldn't understand each other. And the only person who had ever studied languages because he came from a place where you didn't have a universal translator, uh, was Suru, and then he just started speaking in different languages to people so they can figure things out, but nobody could understand each other. But then I was thinking to myself, so if the universal translator breaks down, I always thought it was something like a com badge or whatever, but apparently it's not. It's like but like video. what what are the people actually hearing when somebody's talking to them?
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So are they hearing like a computer voice? Is, is the yeah. the computer modulating my voice into the different language? Like,
1: yeah. That's you know, how point. is that yeah.
0: working exactly? Um, like she I, I
1: thought it was. Me, like explained it in a really good way with having it break down that they all talk different languages. And I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. And then you start talking about the next bit. And you're like, and like, oh, no, there is more to it than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, and also like, where is the sound coming from? Like, You know, like, there's definitely scenes where two people are in one corner talking and two people are in another corner talking. Somebody's yelling at, like... But who is, like, where is the sound each person is hearing coming from? Like
1: telepathic, almost? Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah,
0: so it's... There's a lot of, like, questions as to how that actually works.
1: You've ruined anything that translates for me, probably, (laughs) going forward. I feel like... I'm not going to be... No, it's cool, though. But it's really interesting. It's something I... In some cases, I sort of had some of these thoughts, but I certainly hadn't thought about like, is it my voice? Like, ah, uh, or is everyone hearing like the same voice, like for everyone? Or is it like, how does it decide what voice to use? Yeah. Because all of a sudden, like, if you're thinking, like, I would say Guardians of the Galaxy, because it's one that I've got a bit more familiar with. You've got like Peter Quill and you've got Gamora, and they're falling in love. But there's this whole aspect of us that is our voice and is our words and the way we say things and those like little ticks that we have and, and those kinds of things that they're missing out on. Like they're missing out on this whole aspect of another person if it is a computer just kind of approximating. Yeah. Um, like, what, is what it like say.
0: calling like a company and you're hearing like the automated thing? You know, yes. please say
1: yes if you'd like to talk to an operator. Yeah. Like, if
0: that's what you're hearing all the time, that's.
1: It- is it my Samsung phone that's just kind of I point it at the thing and it's and it just kind of blurrily changes it into words? Like, is is that kind of what's happening? Yeah, that's that's cool and even a little bit sad. Like yeah. when you start thinking about that, because it would be like if you only had a relationship with someone on Google Translate. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you'd miss so much nuance about that other person and you'd miss so much like yeah because i so, think
0: like their your voice is a part of who you are right and yeah. if someone can't hear you uh not necessarily hear you but even like people who who do sign language and stuff they have an intonation of like how they move their hands and yeah, how they exactly. put yeah. things across so like it's their voice it's the same yeah, thing they still if, got a
1: personality if, like, yeah and they, if you're
0: not hearing that like what is it or or even something as simple as like if I'm talking, is, does the translator say a, have a lady voice? And if you're talking, does the translator have a man voice? Yes. You know, or is it like still generic voice for everybody? Like, what, was, what is what are these things?
1: I was actually editing. This is a really interesting point because it's something I was thinking of really recently. I was editing. Um, so actually, me and my f- friend, I've enjoyed being on your podcast so much that we're actually in the process of putting something together. Um, what? It's been very- Still very early days on it. and uh, But one of the things I was doing was editing the podcast, right? And there are certain things that I've noticed from both of us that we repeat a lot, certain words that we repeat a lot. And I'm like, do I remove those or does that take too much of our character? Like, does that take too much personality away from us? And it got to the point that I went through because the software I'm using, I can actually find all of the times, for example, that um, Nick, who I'm doing the podcast with, he he will say "you know" quite a lot, and I can actually go through and just search for all the times he said "you know" in the podcast, and I can delete them. Like yeah. I can do that, and and there are a lot of there are a lot of them. But then I'm like, am I taking away too much of his personality if I do that? Um, and so what? And I'm not sure. I'm a hundred percent even happy with where i've landed on it as a rule of thumb at the moment but i'm taking it on a case by case basis where if there's a whole area where there's a lot of them i might cut them down a little bit because i think that can be distracting to what we're actually saying um, but there are other times where i'm like leaving them because i feel like no that's actually a part of the way that, that we're emoting. Similarly, for me, I'll regularly repeat words. And I didn't realize that I did this until I started editing the, the thing that I repeat words quite a bit. And then I'm like, well, I can repeat, I can delete all the repeated words. But there are some times when I'm repeating words to actually give a bit more, it's, it's me repeating words is showing that I'm thinking about what I'm saying. And so when I remove them, yes, maybe it makes the dialogue pacier, but also, maybe does it look like I'm not putting as much thought into the things that I say, and it's it's very interesting. And I think you've, with the idea of translating people automatically, you are going to lose all of that stuff. You are going to lose because it's going to be editing us on the fly, whether it means to or not, to make us the most understandable that we could be. That's quite sad. (laughs) No,
0: I agree with you because uh, that is something I have to do on a very regular basis. Uh, Because for some reason, I say to be honest on a uh, very often. I don't. I I am not 100% sure why. But very regularly, I say to be honest, blah, 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 blah. blah, And I have to cut the. like. I just say it too often and I, I cut them out on a case-by-case case basis. like as I'm listening yeah. and going through this one's not necessary this one's out uh, this I can pull yeah. no this one should stay in because you know it's very it's it's very necessary for me to be like this is my opinion you know like yes not just like a general and thing and blah blah, blah. yeah
1: because sometimes you're just talking about something and that's just a we have, and I'd hadn't realized it, and I, like I've edited film before, but I feel like film is more uh, um, deliberate than a podcast well, is.
0: It's scripted. Um, it's like mean yeah, scripted.
1: Yeah, but not even scripted. Like, so we had our YouTube show that we were doing, did lots of improvisation, but we it was very focused on getting to a place. Mm. Whereas I feel like with at least with the podcast, like your podcast. Um, with what we're doing, that we've kind of got a couple of different things going on. We actually do have a little bit of scripted stuff in our podcast, but uh, it's it is a bit more of a, it's more of like a real conversation that you're capturing, uh, I think. And when you're capturing a real conversation, we have these things that I think make us feel a bit more comfortable as yeah. speakers, and that we do to feel space, and that we do that you don't need to. We don't tend to do as much on film, I don't think, because we're not actually capturing a conversation very often on on film, unless it's an interview. Um, it just feels like, yeah, it's it's quite it's something I found quite because I've even inter- edited interviews on in, on for people's films and stuff, and never really come across it. But in a po- in podcast format, it was like the first thing that I noticed <laughs> as but, I was editing. But like, also, yeah.
0: the thing is, when you have something visual. There, there's another one. The thing is, it's one yes. I say all the time. Uh, when you have something visual to go along with what you're saying, you focus You focus less on just the words. So That's you understand, question, because yeah. like, like I will remember a conversation going smoothly, everything's good, talking the whole time. And then I go listen to just the audio to edit, and there's big gaps in it. But it's usually because you're sitting back thinking about something. And then you come back and say something and visually you're just like, no, I can see what you're doing. I can see you're thinking about something and you're going to come back. But when it's just dead air, you're just like, what is, is, is this okay? Like what
1: is, what is that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you snip it and you cut it out. So it sounds more even like sounds more continuous. So the the pacing is better because I have to do that all the time because I, I mean, I think I've mentioned this before. I do a lot of googling usually on this thing, and so I'm here going like, "What's this thing?" Huh? Reading something, whatever. There's like dead air, but to me, it's part of the conversation. Doing all of that, and when you see the video, it makes sense. But when it's just like dead air and tippa tapa, you're just like, "That's got to come out." Like, that's what am I going to do with this?
1: Yeah, I, it's something I've learned so much about being on the other side of of, of podcasts because I've only ever been like I've been on your podcast. So I've done some pre-recorded stuff for another podcast. Like I've, I've done little bits and pieces for things, but I've never, I I was quite green and quite naive about, I guess, the creation of podcasts. Like even little things like not knowing about hosting and all, all of these things that, that are part of podcasts that I'm, oh, it, was I'm, a hu- I'm it was
0: a huge process about. when yeah. I started doing it, yeah. And,
1: and I thought that like editing, like I thought I'd have a pretty good grasp on it because I've edited film i've edited sound for film i've done a little bit of soundscapey type stuff but it's very different um, to what i'm finding with with the podcast uh side of things and so i'm finding it i'm finding it very very interesting but i think i was a little bit naive like i think i had this idea that you had to do a lot less editing on, of a podcast and this isn't to like i don't want to put down people that make podcasts like i'm not saying people don't do the work um, but in my mind it it was I was thinking it was gonna be easier than like putting together like a film or a YouTube video. And it isn't, it's just different. Like it's yeah. like yeah. a lot of a lot of editing that goes into it. Like in some ways, and I think maybe over time I'm gonna get a bit more proficient in it as well. And and knowing what I wanna delete what I don't want to delete, I'm not gonna spend as much time. Like sweating on those decisions. But at the moment, like it's just taking me a lot more time <laughs> to edit. Yeah. Uh, I
0: mean, than I, think, I thought it would take, but yeah, I mean, like this, this all kind of goes in with all of this language, you know, stuff, and which is sort of a deep subject to get into when talking about a movie like Mars Attacks, where you're just like, really? Is, <laughs> it's not a deep movie or anything. It just has this like one concept that is if you actually take a minute to think about it, it is just so much bigger and so much deeper than you expect it to be
1: definitely and I think it's one of those things where I'm like you've got a podcast where you talk about movies and you want to have an interesting point of view and Mars Attacks doesn't give you maybe that many things to talk about that are, like, it doesn't, it it's because it deliberately doesn't have a lot of deep themes. It deliberately doesn't have, like, a lot of that stuff. But I mean, there's stuff there, like, yeah, there is interesting things in it to talk about.
0: Yeah. Like, I, I was going to say, like, uh, an interesting thing was the Americanization of, like, military things and, like, this obsession with, um like guns and stuff like so so we were talking before about the um what's his character's name uh Jack Black's character's name or whatever Whatever. we meet them they're in the trailer park he's (laughs) putting together a gun and they're the family's all excited about him going to the military and protecting the family and blah, blah 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 and you're just like like there is something to be said about wanting to save your way of life there's nothing wrong with that but there is something about the obsession with guns and wanting to kill things there is a problem with that obsession
1: and you've actually um maybe this it felt like we were winding up on this next talk but i think maybe you've talked about something that really blown something over for me that i hadn't really thought about it is very much america's response to one of these kinds of things and as two people that don't live in America. Um, you live a little closer to America uh, <laughs> than I do, and, and but I still feel like Canada very much has its own identity apart from America and personalities and um, the people of Canada. Like, the culture is different, right? Like, the culture is quite different between Canada and America. And, again, culture is quite different between Australia and America. To me, it feels very much like, and it's it's satire, like it's not realistically looking at America but it's what very much an American point of view on what would happen in an invasion. We yes, never yes. see someone from another country really in this movie, except for maybe the translator guy. I think maybe he is from another country. Well, they but, do that. Uh, they
0: do that one thing where the president of France calls and says, "Oh, we've made a deal," oh, okay. and then yeah, they yeah, blow it up. Right. But, but that's the that's American's the only yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Um, like it's an American's point of view of France. A uh, like, like we didn't see we didn't see a, them attacking Paris. We don't see them. Because a lot of invasion movies, like if aliens invade Australia, they're probably going to destroy the Sydney Opera House. Like that's what we've learned as Australians. Um, and if if aliens attack Canada, they're probably destroying CN Tower. Like there are certain things that you regularly see, like in these things. And I don't. Maybe it was part of that cutting back on having too many characters and some of those things. We never see. Which is weird for an invasion movie. We never see how it impacts the rest of the world. We only see no, we don't.
0: Not at the end, Uh, no. uh,
1: No. Which is interesting, and is I guessing a choice. Like at some point they made that decision. It's
0: it's an American, you know, alien invasion movie. It's going to be America centric. Like it happens in look at Independence Day. Like why is it centered around the American government? You know, like we see, we like they show shots of the alien ships all over the world. Yes. But we focus on the American government because, and you have to give an Independence Day speech and it's Independence Day. Remember that because the Americans,
1: America, you know, like it's. I think that's the key thing though. We don't even get that. Like we don't even get the UFOs flying over England or anything in Mars Attacks. I don't think. Like, no, we we only get
0: that one scene in France. That's that's it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, And like, yeah, it's. I think that's just interesting. Like, I think that was something I hadn't really noticed until you were talking about um, the American aspect of it and, and the obsession with guns and some of that. Just the fact that military responses, like even when they're like, we're going to have a peaceful meeting with these guys, there are tanks there. Like, there are, like, yeah. they're, they're, it isn't. Like, they're still, they're still sending a show of force. Even if they're going to try and be peaceful, um, yeah, but
0: uh, that goes, but that goes back a long way. I mean, like you have, yeah. um, like Close Encounters of the Third Kind is the same way; it's all America centric. Oh, yes. you have, uh, like we mentioned, Independence Day already, War of the World, which goes even further back, America centric as well. Um, like, I mean, they have things where, like, on the radio, somebody talks about something happening somewhere else, but that's about yes. it. But everything is America centric and. That's because the movie's made in America, and you want America yeah, to be cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't
1: know, but you yeah, know, I, it's... I feel like maybe I don't know. I just feel like in this one, maybe he has made, and I don't know necessarily the reasons for it. It, it does feel like there is a they are satirizing America to an extent, and that that culture, and so they've deliberately said to have made the choice not to show the rest of the world, like because to me that's just part of an invasion movie that you show even if it's not important to the story, you showed the scale of the invasion by showing some of those other places. And they haven't done that, which I think is really interesting. Like it reminds me of, uh, to get totally off topic, uh, a movie that I really like, um, Sides. And Sides... Which was impression. ruined in the, the last five minutes
0: of that movie,
1: ruined yeah. the rest of it. Uh, okay. I mean, that's, yes. a, that's a bigger conversation. I, <laughs> I, I really like science, and, and I won't have anyone talk badly about it. <laughs> no, no. It's like, I think there are real criticisms of Signs, but I, I love Signs. But mainly what I think is so, works so well about that movie is it is that American point of view, but it's actually that family's point of view. And so you never see anything. It's exactly like you say, we hear radio stuff about other countries, but we only ever see what those people say. And, and I think that that really narrow version of an invasion movie is really interesting and it's it feels really real and, and a bit scarier um, because it's like that could be any one of us and, and it's that real grassroots version of an invasion well, movie.
0: It's because it's, it's, it's like, from the point of view of like the regular person who has no control, exactly. right? Yeah. So it does feel scary because it does feel like what if this happens to me and we don't know everything
1: but we don't see the point of view of the aliens we don't see what the president's thinking of so in that movie so much of it is unknown so much of it is happening we can't control it like we're totally out of control of it like you said and mars attacks is the opposite of that like we see every aspect of the invasion like we see we see it from the aliens' point of view. Like even Independence Day, we don't see a lot of stuff of the aliens in their ships. We, we see like a little bit, but we don't see very much. So it's weird to me. It's a weird choice, I guess, that we see so much of that, but we don't see any aspect of the rest of the world, um, it, apart from that one very short moment in, in France to say, yes, there are Martians in other parts of the world. Yeah. But we don't see, and I think, I don't know, maybe that is, I think that does just maybe the scale of it feels a bit smaller as a result. I like,
0: again, I I think it's, it's directly from plan nine from outer space. It's the, it's the same thing except minus the vampire and zombie for some reason. Um, But it's, it's the same thing. Like it's, it's aliens. They come to the U S and it's, it's U S people doing U S things in that. And I think, you know, if, you want to play homage to a director that you think is it's not that he thinks he's underrated he just like loves what he did you know in some yes. way just there's nothing wrong with liking bad movies, but sometimes oh, no, it's not. more about the inspiration yeah. of the person i think I think we both you know.
1: probably like a lot of bad movies oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah, so either. I think he
0: was just bringing a new version of plan nine to life yeah. essentially
1: yeah no I think I think that. That's a really fair look at it. And it's not even, like, it's not even really a criticism. It's just something that I hadn't noticed, I guess, until we were talking about it. And it just, to me, feels quite weird in an invasion movie not to have some of those, um, like, them crashing into the Eiffel Tower, them, like, because they, they have the Washington Monument, is that what it's called, the big yes. point, pretty white thing? The uh, like, the- yes, yes, they have that, like, and that they do a really cool thing with that and that's like a really iconic um, place and they just kind of, yeah, I, 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 like that. I'm just, and maybe it's a, maybe it's a smart choice not to include some of those things we've seen a thousand times of aliens flying past the Eiffel tower. If if we're not going to spend any time there. Or like, uh, you know,
0: like put past the pyramid or something, you know. Yes. Like, you
1: know, just for fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> like maybe it's, it's, maybe that's a, that's a fair choice. I just feel like, maybe it misses out on some of the opportunities to have some fun Martian stuff at yeah. some of those other iconic places. And maybe that's just because so much of what I like in this movie is the Martians and the things that they do. It's it's about like, if I was going to make a Mars and a movie, I wouldn't worry too much about the story. I'd worry about like, what's the best way to put these people, these guys in as many interesting Environments and locations as possible that we can explore. Um, yeah. I think that like how are they going to
0: interact and interpret these spaces? Right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Let's see Martians yeah. in the Amazon. Let's see Martians lie, like all of that stuff could be really fun. Let's like what what happens when the UFO crashes into the Great Wall of China? And like all of these kind of, I feel like that's what Mars Attacks could be. Um, and maybe that's not what he, like you say, I don't think that's necessarily what he wanted it to be, but I think maybe that's, if there was to be a future Mars attacks, maybe that's something that I would like to see a bit more of, like that greater impact on the world.
0: On the world, yeah. No, I could see that, yeah. I think that would make it more interesting. Like, I think I, I think we've already said this, is that you just need less characters and just yeah something more for the aliens to do or something. Yeah. You
1: like, know? Um, Movie again, I think it's got its problems. I don't, it's, I, it's a movie I enjoyed, but it's maybe not the best movie, Pacific Rim. Um, but we see them in like all these different locations, and even though some of those locations are only like they're almost cameos, it's cool to see like worldwide what kind of happened with these robots and the invasion, and that we have a international group working together. Um, it's like that that America's decided that they're going to meet with the Martians first and nobody's nobody cares. <laughs> like no one else from another country has said, well, actually, we'd like to be involved in that too. <laughs>
0: like, can we come over? Is this fine? Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, yeah. Well, before like we get to- off
0: Pacific Rim, I think Pacific yeah. Rim is the robots fighting monster movie that John Wick is, okay? Yes. It's just straight line. We got... For some reason, they're coming out of the ocean, but we have monsters and we built a bunch of robots to fight the monsters. Go. That's all that happened. That's yeah. all we and needed.
1: It's quite enjoyable. <laughs> and, I mean, uh, uh, I, maybe I even enjoy these. Some very bad Australian accents aside, um, it's, it's a very enjoyable movie. But they are, they're fun. I, I, I like a bad Australian accent as much as the next person as a as a
0: person who comes from a country where nobody can fake the accent i know how you're feeling about it it's
1: fine yes it's like australian actors exist (laughs)
0: Yeah, they they got in a a bunch of uh british people and americans so yeah all
1: right like half the mcu and superhero like half the superhero movies are australian actors like doing other accents why not cast them as an Australian every once in a while? Um, <laughs> you know, they might be
0: able to do it.
1: You know. yeah. But but I do I quite enjoy those accents. And and everything in that movie is so exaggerated that they they do really work. Like they do. in that universe, that they work. And certainly like I don't know if you've ever watched anime uh with like big robots and stuff. There are regularly those Australian pilots or like Russian pilots or whatever They don't sound like they're from the countries That they're meant to be from Because they're some five or six voice actors That dumb everything doing them But um, The other thing I've noticed and In a lot of movies Maybe get off topic Is the guys with the really strong Australian accents Often are bad guys <laughs> They often just seem to be bad guys They're often like Starting fights Like if you ever see any kind of uh, especially a lot of the Asian, um, like martial arts movies, things like Ong Bak, um, Hip yeah. Man, all of those kinds of things. There's always an Australian guy that comes in <laughs> and starts the fight. So I don't know what that says about us as a, or the way we're perceived as a culture, or maybe there are just a lot of Australian stuntmen in those movies. Maybe and, they're just yeah. like, "Come
0: on over, just just come do it. You're close. Yeah.
1: You come can on. use your real Go. accent for this one." <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're like, "Finally, just beat up this guy. Sound Australian? Like, okay, done. I mean, I don't hate this movie. I know we've bashed on it a bit, but I don't hate it. I don't."
1: I think I dislike this one more than you. I think I like Masters of the Universe more than you did, and I think I dislike this one more than you did. <laughs> um, but I like, I, and I, but I think we both like aspects of both, right? Like there are parts yes. of them that we enjoy. Um, just maybe as overall movies, they're not. They're, they've got problems. They're, they're, they're yeah. flawed movies.
0: Yeah, I think the problem with Mars Attacks as well is that you have to, you have to get that it is an homage to a certain type of movie to get the movie. Because yes. if you put somebody in front of this who has never seen a B movie or or doesn't know about those like cheesy alien and monster movies from the 50s, the 40s, 50s and 60s, they'll look at this and be like, what is this nonsense? Like, this is just, they're like, it's not even like good campy. Like, it's bad campy. You're like, but it's supposed to be bad campy. Like, that's the whole point. Like, yes. So you have to have like a history to understand Mars attacks.
1: And it's that hard, it's hard to kind of recognise it because I think of some of the other B-movie kind of parodies and things that I've seen, they're often made with the budget of those or even a lesser budget than those originals, whereas this has a huge budget like and clearly does, and they clearly make them look a little bit janky on purpose. Like they clearly want the Martians to be reminiscent of, those older aliens, like they don't make them look hyper real or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But the effects are still really good. And I think that kind of is a weird juxtaposition as well because you've got that B-movie ideas versus big budget aesthetics a little bit. And uh, maybe, I don't know if that's 100% successful, at least for me, I think.
0: Well, I, according to these box office stats, it was not successful.
1: Uh, oh, really? I actually <laughs> yeah. didn't know. Yeah. I, no, no. I thought it, it was fairly really big. Yeah. <laughs> no, it
0: had a $70 million budget. Uh, in Canada and the US, it only th- made $37 million, And worldwide, it made $101 million. So it just just profited. Um, yeah. But that is, that's low for that kind of movie.
1: There was a lot of and I think maybe why I think of it as being a bigger movie than probably it was, is all the merchandise and all of the promotion around it was pretty big. Like I feel like well there was the toy there was like a toy line that was came out with it, which was very reminiscent of did Independence Day or Mars Attacks come out first? Independence day came out first, right?
0: I'm pretty sure it was Independence Day.
1: Yeah, because and I'm guessing the toys were the same, but the Independence Day toys I remember thinking were amazing like when they came out. And one of the cool things with the Independence Day toys is they came with like a floppy disk with like vi- like video game type stuff on it. Mm-hmm. And at the time, that obviously very dated now to come with a floppy disk, but at the time was like pretty impressive. And Mars Attacks also came with floppy disks, I'm pretty sure. It also came uh, with...
0: They came out in the same year.
1: Okay. But yeah
0: um so independence day 96 july uh oh no it came out independence day weekend it was july 3rd yeah um so that makes sense <laughs> let's see what it grossed. opening weekend it made 50 million dollars hmm, yeah. that's that's pretty good yeah uh mars attacks was oh christmas why would you put this out on christmas I guess yeah. you, can, you don't want to <laughs> put want this to out
1: as- <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to out at the same time as Independence Day No, no, like,
0: definitely not no. And I
1: don't know whether it helps it or hurts it That they came out so close together Because there's part of me that's like You get two big invasion movies But they're so different And Mars Attacks is, could almost be like The parody version of Independence that's, Day In some yeah. ways like, like this came maybe, out like a like, week
0: later I would have watched both yeah. of them
1: Yeah, but maybe it coming out six months later as a movie actually is a positive for Mars Attacks, obviously it wasn't a positive for its box office, but but a positive in terms of how that movie reads as it's almost like a reaction to Independence Day. Like it's taken that more serious tone, not that that movie was real serious, but that kind of more more adult version and then applying this kind of funny, silly kind of um, aesthetic to it. That's really interesting. I love that we're
0: calling Independence Day, like, the serious movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Of these two movies. (laughs) I think so. But that's really interesting because, obviously, the toy lines, they must have come out really close together. Yeah, as well, yeah. And I remember that the the floppy disks being a big part of the selling point of them that they came with. I don't know if they were video games or they were, like, that kind of, like, AR stuff that we get a lot of these days. Oh, that's true, yeah. Like, online. It was like the early sort of viral marketing type stuff where you kind of can find out, like when Jurassic Park comes out, and you can go on the website and you can find out more about the companies, like you'll find out more about Bison or whatever. I think that maybe there may have been video games on the discs as well, but I think maybe that's more what it was. It was like this kind of world building kind stuff. of thing yeah um, which I thought was pretty cool um uh, I don't think I had any of the Mars attacks toys though we had some of the Independence Day ones um uh, which were like I say really cool when they came out I thought were really cool I think I had the toys maybe before I saw the movie and then I was like oh it's not as cool as the toys were
0: <laughs> no <laughs> but- I don't have anything from either of these properties um but this was just around the time I started getting like properly nerdy like comic books yeah. and collecting things so I, I wasn't there yet i
1: wasn't there yet yeah. there are some cool mars attacks comics uh, i haven't read many of them i read one which i thought was pretty cool because it's about a guy that goes to see his dad at like an old age home and i think basically he's going to tell his dad that he's not going to see him anymore because his dad's like a real asshole to him and and really hard he's, he's basically like the parents are on the donut kid in the movie. Um, and the Mars Attacks invasion happens while he's visiting his dad. And so they end up going on like a road trip across America together, <laughs> but they hate each other yeah. to like try and survive the invasion. It's quite cool. I thought it was fun. And there were a whole bunch of crossovers. I'm just trying to think what they were. Like, I feel I feel like there was like Mars Attacks versus Popeye, maybe. And maybe, oh, maybe I'm making that up. Because there were, it was a period where there were a lot of weird crossovers because i remember there was like the dc loonitudes crossovers and things like that but i feel like mars attacks maybe uh, maybe it was like planet of the apes or something as well that might have crossed over well with. there's
0: mars attacks red, Sonya. Ah, okay. and red
1: sonja okay yeah d- oh, there's a judge dread one I there's think. a judge
0: dread one yeah there's um there seems to be a 50 foot woman
1: okay uh, <laughs> yep. there's a he-man oh wow i didn't know about that one
0: what is this one it says just Mars Attacks One, but the cover looks like He Man.
1: Uh, I think maybe that was a series where I think maybe if someone like IDW or someone had it at the time, and so each issue Dynamite. was oh, it was Dynamite, yeah. So each, but each issue was like teaming up with a different property. So maybe Popeye might have been one of the issues of that. So like,
0: actually, sorry, I, I looked it up. It says it's John Carter from Mars.
1: Okay, that was probably the, the sci-fi one I was thinking of. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, but he's very he's got, like, the cross thing on his chest and he's wearing Speedos. It looks like He-Man. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like I said, I think there was a couple where they crossed over with a lot of, they potentially crossed over with a whole bunch of things. I may be confusing two different storylines too because IDW did a thing called Invasion where they, and, in, and then a second one later with it called Infestation, where it was kind of a crossover, but the properties never crossed over. But they basically had the same villain across all of the books that they were writing at the time. So there was, like, Ghostbusters and there was G.I. Joe and Star Trek. Um, oh. They never actually crossed over with each other, but they all had the same villain. And I thought that there was something similar with Mars Attacks to that, but I might be mixing two things up.
0: I don't know. I'm literally just looking at covers right now. Yeah. So trying to figure it out. I'm like, I don't know. There's just something called like the complete collection, and then there's occupation and there's classics, and then there's Mars attacks yeah. Red Sonia, Mars attacks Judge Dredd, and then there's numbers on them. So I don't know who's in those ones.
1: So there was certainly certainly some weird crossovers anyway. <laughs> Judge Dread is a there's the
0: car butt boys. I don't know what that means. <laughs>
1: I'm not too sure either I feel like Mars Attacks has had a little bit of a renaissance though There seems to be a little bit more Mars Attacks merchandise out in the world Like I had that action figure that I showed you earlier And there was a series of them The trading card book uh, there was a miniatures game, I think, mm-hmm. based on Mars Attacks. So well, I think
0: a lot of companies are, like with film and TV, it's all about nostalgia, and yes. they're finding, like, you know, cult places, like cult classics yeah. and stuff. They're putting out, like, limited runs and stuff just to make a little yeah. bit of mo- bit of money on, on the things, it, right?
1: It, exactly. And these Mars Attacks figures, the, the ones that I have, it's not like when the movie came out. These aren't figures for kids. Like, you're paying a decent amount of money to get them and they're yeah. very much aimed at those collectors and they're that i guess there's a big enough audience that likes mars attacks that they can make them but yeah. they're still pretty niche i think yeah. like they're not they're probably only making i don't know a thousand of these things and yeah. <laughs> the world. well
0: even uh with the master of the universe ones like there's some company doing like detailed figurines and stuff and each one is like you know, a couple hundred bucks for him, Oh, Mondo, like, oh, I think. Th- yeah. They're
1: probably the Mondo figures, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and that seems to be, I guess, we're at that point, right, where we're the right age that we have enough money to buy a $200 Masters of the Universe figure <laughs> yes. if we really <laughs> want to do it. Um, but that there's also enough of us that would do that, too, <laughs> and, yeah. And, 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 that's, and that's and that is both, that yeah.
0: the great thing and the sad thing about it.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I yeah, just bought I mean, a two hundred dollar Wolverine figure the other day, so I can't, <laughs> um, I can't comment on that at all. <laughs> I, mean,
0: I don't know what's the most expensive figurine I have. Is it's probably around two
1: hundred dollars. I wouldn't be surprised. When um, I got into action figure photography, I got into h- higher end action figures um, because it just allows you to do more with the photo. Like, they, there's more articulation, higher quality. When you zoom, when you get that close to them, they look better. Um, um, and yeah, I fell down a rabbit hole <laughs> from of buying more expensive things. Not that I go crazy with it, um, obviously. We have to live and do all of those kinds of things. Wolverine was bought on afterpay, but uh (laughs) paying off in instalments. But um yeah, there's definitely that high-end market for this stuff now and Mm. massive taxes in there. Like there are I mean, to get I don't know how much those figures would go for in the US, but to get them here you're looking at at least thirty-five to fifty dollars to get these figures, which are a couple of inches tall and they're basic like they're not they're not anything special that they look nice but they're they're pretty basic figures um so there's a market for this stuff and there are people getting them yeah
0: i mean i'm i'm one of those people so i yeah. know i know what you mean <laughs> i know what you mean um anyways um uh, and, uh, any last thoughts on these two movies I know we've had some very deep discussions about both of them
1: <laughs> I think I think that they're both to me I think they were a good pairing in a way because there's obviously like a decade or so apart but they're both doing a similar thing where they're adapting an existing property to but maybe also, Aiming it at a slightly different audience. Like, I don't think that Mars Attacks was necessarily aimed at people that collected the trading cards. No, I don't no. Think that Masters of the Universe is necessarily aimed at people that were watching the cartoon and collecting the toys. It was probably aimed at an older audience. Definitely. Um, so it's just sort of interesting to see two, two decades apart how they kind of um, adapted, maybe in some ways, similar properties.
0: Well, my okay, sorry, you you brought that up, and, and my thing about Masters of the Universe is that the toys was one of the most successful toy lines like ever. Yes. Um, besides besides Barbie and Star Wars. That that's those are the only other two. And um and their popularity spans like six years. Yes. So my question is is like, why would you make this? Like the movie for an a, an adult audience. Why wouldn't you make it for the people who your toys are aimed at, which are little kids? And yeah. I'm not saying that you have to make like a, a ridiculously childish movie, yeah. but why wouldn't you make something aimed more at a lower demographic than you were? Like it just, you know, because like when it's the. the it's, yeah, the, the toys came out in 1982 and it was aimed yeah. at five year olds
1: right yeah. so we by the time 10 year olds <laughs> yeah you,
0: it's like why why wouldn't you aim the movie at 10 year olds or even 15 year olds like those this movie is clearly aimed at something a little bit older than that
1: yeah it, and just it, seems it, weird. And it, it is weird and i mean kids still obviously were watching it but it, it is a weird choice because yeah i i don't know what the thought process behind doing that is, especially there for that particular property, to to do that because I think if you like a comparable thing would be like Ninja Turtles where that first movie is a bit more mature, but that is clearly based more on the comics, which was a which was another avenue. Like a mature Masters of the Universe movie makes sense maybe today, but it like say it didn't make sense in
0: 1987. No, it just, <laughs> it just doesn't. It just doesn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's my last thought on it, I think. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it goes back to what we said all the way at the beginning of recording this, where when you're a kid, you think something lasts way longer than it did. And then yes. I was reading about it and I was like, oh no, He-Man was only around for like five years. What? Yes. What? This was half my childhood. Apparently yes. it wasn't. Like.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it, it spanned from my point of view, both my uncle and my childhoods and my uncle, that sounds weird. My uncle's not that much older than me. He's probably more like an older brother. Like he was in high school when I was in primary school. Like we're not hugely different, but he was like the very beginnings of masters of the universe. And I feel like I was at the end because I had a lot of those figures that I know now are the later ones and maybe a bit rarer and even had some of the figures from the relaunch of masters of the universe, the space one, um, which actually the space masters of the universe does kind of probably would have maybe fit more with this movie Um, with the blaster, like the aesthetic might've worked better here, but um, yeah, it is interesting how short a period of time it actually was because Mm -hmm. for me, it feels like it always existed when I was a kid. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the same thing with me and like She-Ra and like Transformers and stuff. Like, I mean, I, I remember when we did the episode on like Batman the animated series, and I was like, no, this was on for like 15 years. It was like three seasons. You're like, what? Yes. This is crazy. Like, it's just. And I mean, I think there were up. a lot more
1: repeating of things and stuff back in those yeah. days than there is now. Obviously, we can get whatever we want, whatever we want now. So we crave new content more. We, 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 we have more choices. Yeah. But certainly the same for me and I think Ninja Turtles had a lot of seasons of the show but when I go back what I recognize is actually I think I only watched the first two seasons of that cartoon Um, I don't I haven't seen any of the stuff from later on in Ninja Turtles because I I was just looking at some of it recently with some of the newer action figures that were coming out based on the cartoon and like so many characters I don't recognize and I feel like I watched Ninja Turtles all the time yeah. As a kid, like, but like, I watched all of it, but yeah, maybe I only watched a couple of seasons of it. Like, maybe I was actually only into Ninja Turtles heavily for two or three years. And then it went on after that, and I just wasn't aware of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I will. Yeah. No, I, I like, I don't even, I know, I remember a bit of the cartoon, and I know I used to watch it after school all the time. And there are definitely like certain episodes that are in my brain. Um, or like the, the small things like, you know, in the cartoon Splinter was a man that turned into a rat, whereas in the movie, he was a rat that turned into like a bigger dude, whatever, like taught Kung Fu and whatever. Um, like things like that, I remember, but yeah, I don't like, I've never, I have never revisited the original ninja turtles cartoon which i think is a shame i probably should um it, but
1: the first few episodes are quite good and then i don't know that after that it holds up that well but <laughs> yeah. uh, but especially because we've got some really good ninja turtles cartoons and stuff later on uh i think they're probably a lot better but i watched it i was heavily into it as a kid i mentioned i didn't have electricity we actually did have a generator so we could do certain things in our shed yeah. later on we, in the shed, we had a TV, but we could only watch TV for as long as we had, like, electricity for the generator. So <laughs> we, basically, we basically were allowed one episode of something each, and my episode every day was Ninja Turtles. So that, that was what I chose to watch. So I did, I was watching that show, but really I think I was only heavily into it. I'm realising now as an adult I, who's gotten back into it heavily <laughs> that I was probably only into it as a kid for a couple of years and then moved on to other, like we all did, moved on to other things that were important to us after that. And I guess it just shows how important those childhood memories are to us, even as we grow up, that we remember them so vividly and that they do seem to span such a long period of time and that I can remember all of the movies that I watched then vividly and then I struggled to remember Mars Attacks, which I watched the day before. Like, it's just, it, that, it just shows how important that's, those properties are for us growing up. And I think that's why Masters of the Universe, I still just really enjoyed it. Like, it's even though it wasn't, I know it's not the best movie and I think intellectually I know that. <laughs> but there's part of me that's like, oh, that was fun. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's quite a few movies that do that for me, and and I think if I go back to watching this the way I usually watch it, yes, it will still be that way. Um, I'm not just not allowed to sit and analyze it anymore. That's yeah, I have to not do that part of it. it Same it's, thing it's, with Mars Attacks.
1: Uh, obviously, you've done a lot of movies of on your podcast, so I've listened to. I haven't listened to every episode. I've listened to it a lot. Uh, have you done Ninja Turtles or will you do Ninja Turtles at some point? Uh, it, it starts with a T, so yeah. not yet. <laughs> Oh, of course. I, yeah, I guess I know that it's an alphabetical order, but then I also forget that. Well, (laughs) in a few years, if it's on your shelf, keep me in mind for that one. (laughs) Yes, it is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's happening. It's happening. Um, Yeah. yeah. Uh, Well, I think that's it. I mean, I think we've given some very deep, you know, ideas and reviews and, recommendations to people about these two movies
1: yeah i don't know if we've recommended them highly to watch but (laughs) we put in a
0: lot of caveats about watching i'm like well if you watch it you have to remember these 35 things don't hate us
1: if you tick all these boxes you'll enjoy these movies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly we don't we don't hate them but there's there's definitely a lot of like questions involved like things you have to remember when you're looking at them so you know we can't technically recommend it but if you watch it just remember everything that we've said so far there's,
1: there's fun to be had for the right kind of people yes
0: <laughs> uh brandon well thank you so much for being on the show this week
1: uh thank you for having me again
0: Um, Well, that's it for this episode of Off My Shelf. Until next time, you can follow along on Instagram and Twitter at Oh My Shelf, or you can send an email to ohmyshelf at gmail.com. On the next episode, we'll be talking Matchstick Men and Memento. Hope you'll be here to listen.